We are back with the Blue Line Millennial podcast in studio today with uh, Kat Michelle. You may know her as Pew Pew Goddess yes. on Instagram. Yes. There was a funny story where a buddy of mine asked me what my Instagram handle was, and I thought he was talking about Kat, and he had a very strange look in his eye when I said, oh, it's Pew Pew Goddess. And he was like, <laughs> the fuck is that your Instagram handle for? Uh, so Weird. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we are back uh, back in studio here. I do feel very fortunate to have uh, uh, my next guest here just a week after the last set of guests. I do apologize to anybody who uh, was not expecting a four-hour drunken tirade on the last episode. Um, <laughs> but get over it, because I think that's actually the content yeah. that you come here for. Absolutely. So, uh, Kat, thank you for coming out. Thank you for having me. Of it's, course. We've been trying to coordinate this for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, no joke. It's yeah. uh, probably the better part of a year, year and a half. Yes. It happens. It's okay. I'm used to it by now. So, um, uh, but we got we got icebreaker questions that we, uh, the last last episode, it took forever and a day to get to um, for good reason because Ursula had a lot of good things to say. Yeah. And then it was sort of like an afterthought where I was like, oh, shit, oh, I gotta ask you all those questions. <laughs> I'm sure people know a whole lot about you by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Kat, uh, I will jump into these icebreaker questions. I'm sorry. I'm trying to like formulate my sentences in my head as I go through. Um, So don't mind me. I promise I have not been drinking a lot. We are only having our one or maybe two casually sipping our uh, uh, Eagle Rare 10 year uh, old fashions bougie bourbon, uh, which as a side note, um, Kat did tell me she's, she's not bougie enough to know a whole lot about whiskey and bourbon. Not. Eagle Rare is a $25 bottle of bourbon that will cost you $85 in total wine or at BevMo. Um, so this inflation inflation bullshit, I don't know if it's Let's Go Brandon. I don't know what the issue is, but that <laughs> shit's got to Yeah, that shit's got to stop um, because no, no American should be paying uh nearly three times market value or over three times market value in this case for America's only native spirit. That's the other thing I did. Kat and oh. I were talking about bourbon is that bourbon has to be made in the United States. I did not know. Otherwise that. it's not called bourbon. It's just whiskey. Prior so. to us starting the podcast, we were discussing the difference between bourbon and whiskey and how I'm not classy enough to appreciate either of them because <laughs> I uh, spent my time growing up drinking a mad dog 4040 and a little bit of paper bags. So it really do be like that. She embraced the Detroit lifestyle. Absolutely. Because you, when, how long have you been out here now in Arizona? Oh, since 2006. Since 06. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you've been out here a fair amount of time. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. Do you miss the snow? I do not. So I specifically moved to Arizona because there's no snow. I got to a point. Um, I did a study abroad in, when I was in college at Michigan State where I went to Australia right in the middle of winter. And I was like, I came back. I was like, wow, this is depressing. Like, I love the Midwest. It's like a great place to be from, like really down to earth people. I love, you know, I love my family. They're still all there. But I'm just like, man, this is depressing. I need to go somewhere where it's not cold and miserable like 90% of the year. Because it's not like a pretty, like Flagstaff has like a pretty snow. It's bright outside. It's sunny. Nah. Like when I lived, when I lived in Michigan, I remember I beat her car driving to work with my head out the window because like my defroster just wouldn't work hard enough. It, yeah. It's that kind of stuff that I'm like, yeah, I don't miss that. So my family will be like, man, the wind chill here is like a negative 20. I'm like, wow, that sucks. Yeah. I've never experienced negative temperatures. It, the, the coldest I've ever gotten was 11 degrees in Denver. It, the last time I had gone out for Christmas, it had probably been about five or six years ago now, the wind chill was negative 
colder than negative 20. So we went outside and we took a, fr- uh, a boiling pot of water and you throw it in the air and it instantly turns to snow. And I'm like, oh, wow, I used to be like outside wearing shorts when it was like 30 degrees. And I thought that was warm. Oh, no, I think it's to 60. I'm in a hoodie. And yeah, it's an, and now I'm out here. I'm like, wow, socks. I like lost my like, I like lost that edge because now I get cold all the time. But you, you stick me in 120 degree weather and I'm like, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Like, yeah, of course. It's hot. It's miserable. But oh, well, we're just going to work through it. And there's no humidity. That's the difference. Because <clears throat> also in Michigan, there's wicked humidity, which is just horribly disgusting. So... When I worked in different parts of, the, of Detroit a couple summers, um, nowhere had air conditioning. So you'd be out there working and like you go into a building and it's like 85 plus degrees, no AC, oh, you're no. just miserable. It's yeah, I didn't have, I, I don't think my parents had AC in our house until I was in high school. So when it got really hot, we used to sleep on the basement floor. <laughs> There, there's a reason that this is not on YouTube yet because the face that I just made about yeah, that, absolutely. not an attractive one. Absolutely. And, and what Arizona does classify as humidity? Do you just laugh at us? Um, no, because now when it is humid, I'm like, oh, this is disgusting. But I was like, oh, yeah, this is like 20% humidity. This is nothing. Right. Where- our, for those of you who have never lived in Arizona, our 20% humidity occurs basically from like July to September-ish. But when you couple it with like the, but it's still 100, 118 degrees like then, as the yeah. high, 100, 112 to like 115 degrees yep. as the high, um, and we get maybe like two or three minutes of rain. Yep. That sometimes never hits the ground because yep. it's still so fucking hot outside. Yep. Coupled with a 25 minute sandstorm. So <laughs> the first time I came out here and um, I saw a haboob, I. I was like panicking because in the Midwest, um, you know, whenever there's a bad storm, we have tornado sirens that go off and you go in your basement, right? So I'm out here. I think I was at, um, I was living in Glendale because I was at ASU West for graduate school and the sky starts turning like purple and green. And I'm like, oh shit. Oh fuck, there's going to be a tornado. And my my friends are looking at me like, what are you fucking talking about? I'm like, where do we go? They're like, like, uh home <laughs> I'm like um I'm like, to the bar I so, don't know <laughs> so I'm sitting here like in a panic because no one had told me like that that's pretty normal like monsoons are normal so I'm just sitting here in like a panic like oh oh nothing I came outside of a of a movie once with a couple of my friends and we had parked we were we were up in Scottsdale and I forget what the name of the movie theater was um but it was it was like super bougie because back 10 years ago it was the first one that had like the seats that would recline oh, yeah um and we went into the movie, clear blue skies, like 100, mm-hmm. 110, whatever, mm-hmm. it's hot as balls outside, but clear blue skies. We came out of the movie and thought like a nuclear bomb had been detonated because mm-hmm. everywhere was just coated in like dust. Yes. And it was just hanging in the air. You couldn't see like 10 feet in front yeah. of you. And it just looked like an ash cloud everywhere. That was, yep. that was uh, an interesting evening, yeah. but I've never been in a blizzard. So it, yeah, it's, I, it's funny. I had just gone home um, for Thanksgiving and my dad. <laughs> I love you, Dad. You're probably listening to this podcast, so you're going to laugh. Dad was on IG Live. So. <laughs> Dad was on IG Live watching me talk about all this stuff. But So I'm driving my dad's brand new truck, and it's snowing out. And he's like, be careful with my truck. Don't crash it. I was like, um, little did you know, Dad, I used to drive my like two-cylinder Ford Escort going like 100 <laughs> on like I-96 with like bald-ass tires, like just like just like just like sliding through the snow like it was nothing. I'm like, And you were is- fucking pro at it, too. Like oh, you didn't oh, even yeah. bat an eye. Oh, yeah. Like it, that was normal. I, uh, I was driving a uh, two-wheel drive Tacoma yes, um, and was pulling into where my parents used to live in Prescott, northern mm-hmm. Arizona, and it had been snowing, 
and the ass end of my truck like went out from underneath me because oh, I turned yeah. a corner too fast. <laughs> and sucks. I was like, well, I'm prepared to meet Jesus today. That sucks. But it like, you know, it, I skidded like three or four feet and then I was on my merry way. But still, that was fucking terrifying. Being able to drive in snow made it really good when it when we get the really nasty monsoon storms out in county and like everyone's just hydroplaning and I'm on the I-8, like, you know, hauling ass to a call and I'm just like, bloop, bloop, bloop. I'm like, I got this, I got this. <laughs> Different strokes for different folks. Right. City city cops uh, don't <laughs> get those opportunities. Um, we're told to stop driving when it gets a lot of lightning outside. Oh They're man! They're like, find a oh, place to man. park and pull over. We're like, oh, no. That just is a CAD message that comes over. Find a place to park, pull over. We're oh like, no! Is Noah's Ark about to float by? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh no! I've gotten with this most recent. We had a, a dam break southeast of the area that I work and we were doing um, evacuations and I got my truck buried. My, um, I drive a, a Chevy Silverado. It's a four by four. And I got that thing buried and all these people I'm like knocking on their doors trying to, Hey, you guys should probably like, you know, leave your house. And if you have horses, move them. So they saw me sitting there. I'm like, well, I'm, what do I do? I'm like desperately trying to call my coworker. Hey, you guys got a, does anybody have a four by four with like a, like a tow strap that can get me out? And somebody felt bad for me and they just pulled me out with a tow truck. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. God. Thank you, baby Jesus. But that's like super normal for us. Waiting, waiting for some redneck to just roll up with his giant yes. John Deere. Like, it's cool. I've got a snatch strap. Like, I'll just get, I'm you like, right this seems sketchy, but let's do it. <laughs> so don't mind the marijuana grow in the backyard. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I swear it's all, it's all above board. Oh, oh man. Well, so we've, uh, uh, we've talked a little bit about where you work, but before we dive any further into that, um, you can have a drink with anyone, living or dead. Ooh. Yeah, who is it? And more importantly, what are you drinking? Dinner with anyone. Ooh. This could go in so many different directions, but I'm going to go harken back to my, like, 12-year-old fangirl and say uh, David Duchovny because he is my, like, lifelong crush. I... David Duchovny, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, I love you. Hit me up. <laughs> and what would you can be find her on Instagram at QQGoddess. <laughs> Send her a DM. That's I, like that's probably the most random answer. And what would we be drinking? Um, I don't know. I'd probably have to go with my old standby gin and tonic with a twist of lime, or maybe Ooh, all right, or maybe a mule because I'm a, I'm into that recently. I have not gotten into the mules. To be fair, um, mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever actually had one. They're amazing. Um, but the uh, the gin and tonic, my mom started me on that. That it's is so probably next to like the whiskey sour. I think that the gin and tonic mm -hmm. with the twist of lime is my favorite summer cocktail to have because it is just so fucking refreshing. It's refreshing. It doesn't leave you like feeling nasty. No, it's if you're super light. It. Like, yep. My dogs are barking <laughs> in the background again. So I was going to say, I'm, I feel like that's the most random answer, but it's like the first one that popped into my brain because like 12 year old kitty cat was just a big old. Dorcas Malorcus watching the X-Files with no lights on, crushing on David Duchovny. That's like my inner self. So. I mean, why not, right? Yeah, why not? David David Duchovny, if you are listening, <laughs> we will restart the X-Files. Cat <laughs> will be your love oh, interest man. in real life and on yeah. the screen. And, and I'll just be the detective that makes inappropriate <laughs> jokes because my uh, emotional well-being has devolved to the point of making... Uh, using dark humor to get past my days. I think so. that's, I think that's all of us though. I think that's all of us because I, I have conversations with some of my civilian friends, especially that live back home that are like doing normal jobs, like teaching. And I say something and I don't realize how fucked up it sounds. And then until, they're all staring at and you. And they're like, looking at me like a perfect example. The last time I had gone home, I went to a, an event with my mom's, uh, my mom's work. 
at the Detroit Athletic Club. They had this big gathering, which is like a big fancy place that like the mayor of Detroit was there. My mom made me wear a fur coat, which I absolutely detested because I, I hate getting dressed up. But anyways, um, one of her coworkers was like adamant, like, tell me a really cool story. Like, I want to hear about like, cool stuff. <laughs> you don't want to hear about so this, dude. So <laughs> naturally, my head goes to, hey, you want to hear about this really cool decomp that I found in a house? Every cop, it, 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 we it, all have oh, our yeah. decomp stories. And, and the face that he gave me was just shocked and horrified. And then no more questions were asked. And then he just haphazardly like scampered away. It was really funny. I had uh, one of my wife's friends, her husband came up and he was like, Hey man, how's work going? And I'm like, bro, do you want the short answer <laughs> or the say, long well, answer? It's kind of a little bit complicated. Yeah, like I can, I can answer that question mm -hmm. with a like, ah, living the dream, bro. It, absolutely. Living the dream. Or I'm going to make sure that you need a fucking therapist. So yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. I am convinced that by the end of, uh, the end of our career, Every cop will be Brady listed because they just keep adding shit to uh, what goes on the Brady list. Um, and then the Brady list will not mean anything anymore. And we will all be in therapy. Yeah. Those are those are my forecasts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, all right. All right. David Duchovny with either a mule or a gin and tonic. With absolutely. A twist of lime. Absolutely. Do you do you get a fresh lime, cut it and squeeze it or how, or do you get lime juice? Oh, no, we got to do the fresh lime. And squeeze it. All right. I was gonna say, I think I could I, I'm sure if I ruminated about ruminated about it a little bit, I could probably come up with something way cooler, like some sort of historical figure that I want, you know, but no, that would just, you know, I would drink scotch with Winston Churchill. <laughs> yeah, something like that. No, but. I think it's badass. Stick with that answer. Yeah. That's what I love about asking that question. Is everybody's <laughs> got a different answer. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hear family members, grandparents, uh, parents, siblings, uh, aunts and uncles, but we get, you know, different celebrities <laughs> on. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's, everybody's got their own answer. All right, cool. I like it. What books are you currently reading or listening to? Uh, one of the books that I'm currently reading is um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Um, one of the things that I got into very deeply after I got divorced, stoicism. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I highly recommend it to cops. It's it's just a great, it's more like a guide to life. Like, don't let things bother you that are out of your control is a basic premise. So I had like a precursory book that explained the foundations of stoicism prior to reading, you know, meditations because it's reading it. It gets, it's very wordy. Sure. Um, um, I'm also reading um, Gulag, Gulag Archipelago, which is about a survivor of, and it's one of the, it has some ties to stoicism, um, a survivor of a Russian prisoner of war camp during the time of like World War One, okay. So about his imprisonment and around the time when the Russians were just arbitrarily snatching people up and imprisoning them for no reason, um, and he managed to write part of this book while he was in prison in the Gulag. It's really interesting. And sidebar, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I'm actually a big dork, and um, I would consider myself cool as I intellectual. So I, I like right. I, I like that. Sure. So and you are Eastern European, right? That is your like your ancestry. Where in Eastern Europe? Um, I am Polish. Okay. However, when I did the you know digging to find where my family was from, I could only see where they crossed over in Ellis Island around World War One. So I'm mm -hmm. not exactly sure because at the time I believe it was you know Poland has been. <laughs> My people's been conquered a right. bunch by like by the Russians. The borders but have I, shifted a handful yeah, of times. Yeah, so at the time when my family immigrated from Poland, 
I believe it was an Austria occupied territory. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly sure where. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you go back to World War One, like the Austro-Hungarian mm-hmm. Empire or something yep. like that. Yep. Yeah. So my my grandparents, my on my dad's side, both spoke Polish, and it's it's funny. So they would always yell at each other in Polish, and I only took away I only took away a couple little tidbits of Polish. Were they just the bad words or? Oh, of course they're just the bad words. Of course they're just the bad words. But yeah, so those are those are the two books that I'm I'm currently digging on. And I again, I, I highly recommend Stoicism or like a beginner's guide to Stoicism because Meditations is very wordy, and um, you can really go deep into the woods on that. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of hard to read because it's it's a lot. Yeah, it, it's like trying to sludge through the dictionary or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, but but Marcus Aurelius. Um, mm-hmm. does have, I don't know a whole lot about him. I mean, if I've seen his name and seen, you know, you see the super moto quotes attributed mm-hmm. to him and whatnot. Yep. Um, but uh, hell of a philosopher. I would, yep. I would say that if you are one to like study or read Sun Tzu, you should probably also read Marcus yep. Aurelius. Yep. That's, that's kind of the vibe I get from it. So, okay, I'm going to add those to my list because mm-hmm. you are not the first person to talk about stoicism. Yes. And I feel like I'm behind the curve. Yeah, I, and, and it's something like, again, after my divorce, it's something that kind of gave me comfort because it kind of, it's a way of kind of relinquishing all that negative energy. Cause I have a tendency to overthink things, overanalyze. Um, and it's hard, especially when you're working night shift in the middle of nowhere, right. your brain just goes down that rabbit hole when you have nothing but time just to sit there and think. And it really gives you a little bit more perspective and like, Hey, there's some things in your life that you can't control. So don't worry about the things that you can't control. Embrace the change, embrace whatever you come that comes your way whether it be positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good, it, for me, it kind of gave me some comfort. It reminds me of this, uh, I think it was a meme that I saw where it was like, a, I was talking to a, a, a bomb squad guy and <laughs> uh, you, you might've seen this one. And, and uh, I'm like, man, how do you deal with the stress of like diffusing bombs and whatnot? And the guy looked at me and goes, well, if I get it right, cool. And if I fuck it up, it's suddenly not my problem anymore. Absolutely. So I was like, Absolutely. You know, that's a pretty interesting way of looking at life. Absolutely. And again, like, uh, you know, try not to get uh, uh, spun up or wrapped around the axle or, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, don't get don't get too hyper over shit, whatever little phrase you want to associate to it. Uh, you and know, come what may type of thing. Yeah. And it's hard because I am very much, I'm very, if anyone knows me, I'm like a squirrel on meth all the time. So it's hard to... You know, that's just how my personality is. Um, Having this perspective kind of forces me to look at what I'm doing and kind of take a step back and, okay, there's some things I can't control, so why am I worrying about this? Right. And again, it's easier said than done, and no one's perfect. It's just a general template for, hey, this is... And the whole basic premise is also to be a good person, live a good life, which I think is just a good mantra for everyone to have in general. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like... More and more cops uh, that I talk to, especially the cops on this show, um, I'll give you a heads up. The last question that I will ask you when we're done <laughs> an hour or so, an hour and a half or yeah. two hours from now um, will be that you have a microphone to the world. What do you want to say? Or what does the mm-hmm. world need to hear from Kat? Ooh. And over, Ooh. overwhelmingly, the message is be a good fucking person. Yeah. And I think that that says a lot. I don't know if it's our generation of cops or if it's just, you know, I don't know what what the deal is, but there's this narrative even still today, um, you know, here in 2022 that, oh, fucking cops are just out there to walk up people and murder them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Snoop Dogg performing in the uh, Super Bowl halftime show tomorrow. His, some of the lyrics to one of his new songs is something like, you want to make me happy? Go shoot those bitch ass motherfucking cops. 
And uh, I've got all sorts of thoughts on that. But you won't ever hear a cop saying, you know what we should do today? Like, no, it's it's that cop is going to lace up their boots, mm-hmm. put their gun belt on. Absolutely. Go to work. And by and large, they are going to help people far more than they're going to Absolutely. hinder or harm people. I mean, my agency is looking at less than 1% of our interactions with the police, with the public, excuse mm-hmm. me, not even calls for service, just interactions with the public business checks. Um, you know, whatever details we're going to go on little birthday parties we go to on top yep. of all of the calls for service that we do less than 1% result in a use of force. Yep. And of those use of uses of force, I mean, I, I don't know how small the number is that, that sure, the goes, overwhelming majority overwhelming are, just, majority are, are justified. justified and they rarely, mm-hmm. uh, if ever go to an officer involved shooting. And I've had a lot of interesting conversations with some of my friends from back home, obviously growing up in Metro Detroit, my, a lot of my friends from back home have a lot, you know, they're very diverse. And I mean, quite frankly, growing up, I was not necessarily a fan of the police. Sure. Um, I, I mean, it is what it is. Um, which is funny that I'm doing this now, but um, we have a lot of really in-depth conversations and I I let them know. I'm like, you know, you guys don't see, and I invite them, hey, if you guys are out here in Arizona, come do ride-alongs with me. I've had some of my ex's friends come do ride-alongs with with me. And at the time they were kind of indifferent towards the police and it definitely changed their perspective. Because I'm like, you don't understand how quickly something can devolve in literally just a half a second. Right. and all of the other things that we do. Um, yeah. 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 Nobody ever wants to talk about you stopping yep. on the road to help somebody change a tire. Absolutely. That's or, not sexy. Or bring somebody a gallon yep. of gas. Yep. Or, you know, give give a dude a, a gallon of water on the side of the road, whatever it yep. may be. You know, everybody wants to just focus on mm-hmm. the handful of times across the entire fucking country yep. where force is used. Never mind that, I mean, there's other countries that <laughs> would love to have our cops patrolling their streets. I mean, there's, there are videos, um, you know, back in, back in those high school days, I forgot what the fuck was that website called where you'd go to get all of your like illicit violent videos. Was it rotten.com? That's probably Yeah. But there's a video of this cop in like Pakistan or Iran Mm -hmm. taking this like 308 rifle and he just shoots a dude in the stomach with it. Just as he's like wandering down the street and, yep. and oh, well, he stole something. Oh, so you're going to fucking shoot him in the stomach and then not render aid. You're just going to let him like watch him bleed out yep. like that, that sadistic, you know, behavior. Where it there's exists. No rules. There's no rules. It exists in, in these other yep. parts of the world where like you think you have it fucking bad here because what you got a fucking ticket or because the cops did something to somebody that ended up on TV and you have no involvement with whatsoever. Yep. Like, Go to a key point. I was talking to Toby Harden, who wrote the book First Casualty, along with a couple of other books. He was uh, arrested in Zimbabwe because he was practicing journal practicing journalism as if it's some sort of medical process without a uh, a license to basically be a journalist there. And he was fucking put in prison or well, I guess jail for like two weeks. And that's the irony too, kind of stepping away from the law enforcement piece that I find with a lot of these super woke younger generation of kids that you know want to you know oh my god we're being persecuted all this other stuff i'm like dude have that opinion and then go to go to pakistan you know go to these places where or india or not so much india like these places that don't give a fuck about afghanistan yeah you know like they don't give a fuck about you or your rights especially as a woman you have none 
So you talk about how America is such a horrible place. You're being persecuted. I mean, I'm sure Afghanistan would love to have you. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> promptly chop your head off. Not to mention, you take you take your like $895 that you've got uh, to your name or, or whatever. <laughs> you will be a fucking millionaire in Afghanistan. Yes. But no, there's some fucking dipshit running for mayor of Los Angeles right now who today was was posting a video. I don't know if it was today. Today's when I saw mm -hmm. it. He's out front of like LAPD headquarters, or maybe it was the training academy, mm -hmm. talking about why abolishing the police is the right idea. Tonight at a celebrity dinner party, somebody opened fucking fire. Of course. And LAPD cops were there within seconds. Like I said, everyone wants to be a gangster until it's time to do gangster shit. Yeah. You know, and, and if you look at the correlation between all these places that are going woke, um, you know, all of them, like Tucson, we can talk about Tucson. You know, you decided, you know, you have a very leftist mayor, you know, oh, we're not going to respond to these type of calls. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's culminated. And now you're in the top 10 of homicides in your right. entire country. So, I mean, not to get too far into this at the inception of the <laughs> podcast, but I mean... I promptly believe I'm I'm going to I'm going to be an optimist because I know there's people out there that are like oh we're fucked as a profession moving forward. Look at where we were prior to 9/11, you know, we can t I worked for guys at my first agency that were cops during the Rodney King time and I picked their brain about that. Like what was that like to work in a time where this shit just happened not even in our state and they're like it was a weird time, right? And then look at how cops and first responders were venerated, you know, during 9-11. Oh my God, they're the greatest. Mm -hmm. And now some some event is going to happen, I think that's going to unify us more as a country here. And it's going to it, happen sooner rather than later. Something has to fucking give. I yeah. mean, we, this country, my, my dad, who was born in the 50s, has likened what he sees today to 1968, which was a tumultuous time yeah. in American history with uh, you know, with race riots and you look at, at the inappropriate response from law enforcement in of 1968, of fucking fire hoses. Of they're course. wearing like those old school motor helmets. And we can all agree that that's and, and, uh, right. And yeah, but Horrible. that's not today. Nope. You know, no, you can never convince me that it, that it is. Um, but that's, you know, he's got, he's got that, uh, you know, his 66 years of life to look back on and go, Oh shit. I think I've seen this a couple times before. Uh, my brother-in-law was a was a newer cop uh, just prior to 9/11, and even he remembers like, yeah, people didn't really give a fuck about us. Like yeah. we, we just sort of existed, um, and I think that you'd seen this like high hate, high high hatred of of cops after Rodney King, yep. and then it sort of waned to this sort of like indifference, indifference, whatever. You you got a job to do, all yeah. right, whatever. So, you know, I'm not going to pay any attention to you. Yep. And then 9/11 happened, and he was like, dude, it was like we couldn't even go anywhere without somebody like, Hey, let me buy your coffee. Yeah. Hey, let me buy you lunch. You know, Hey, how's your day going, man? Are you staying safe out there? And, and mm -hmm. it's like, you, dude, for the past, like I've been coming to the same coffee shop for two weeks and you, you've never said one fucking <laughs> yeah. word to me. Um, which, okay. But the flip side of that is that it shouldn't take a high number of us dying in some cataclysmic Absolutely. event, um, to, to get people to be like, Oh damn, you know, they're, they're okay. I mean, look at, we had, we have nine yeah. Phoenix police officers in, in the hospital. I was just um, going to say that. All, thank God, all of them are okay. Mm -hmm. The shooter, uh, the coward that he is, took his own fucking life. Yep. Um, he was at one point in time firing over an infant, mm -hmm. which is when a lot of them got hit, is when they were trying to recover or rescue, excuse me, when they're trying to rescue yeah. this infant in a baby carrier. Um, but again, I, you know, 
as a, as a member of an honor guard, like I was like, mm-hmm. holy fuck, you mean to tell me I've got to go to nine yeah. burials? I remember, I remember, you know, all the stuff that happened in Dallas. Yeah. And how big of a deal that was. And you think, you know, five officers, actually one of which who was from my hometown, um, what that was like. And then to think like, holy shit, that's, that's super close. That's, that's in our own backyard. Right. But I think the, the encouraging thing, and I, on Instagram, I had the opportunity to talk to people from all over the country, lots of cops, lots of first responders, and we have it better here in Arizona than most places do, Absolutely. especially on the East coast, especially the area that I'm working in, um, which I work in a rough area. And I mean, despite that, we still do have a lot of people. I firmly believe that do actually still support law enforcement in general or, or indifferent. I mean, cause when, when all this stuff was happening last year with rioting and all this other stuff happening across the country, we actually still had people supporting us in the County that I work, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was, it was, you know, I can, I can echo similarities in my own mm-hmm. city with, you know, okay, hey, cool. We're going to go up to uh, the downtown area for a, a protest. Um, my my precinct was was way south of our downtown area, and so we got to drive ahead of us. Well, let's stop a quick trip real quick, grab yeah. some energy drinks. It's going to be a long yeah. night. Uh, which, side note, if you're drinking energy drinks, make sure you're drinking water. Your kidneys will appreciate it. I was going to say, <laughs> kidney stones are a I, thing. Yeah, I, I stopped drinking energy drinks uh, in, when I became <laughs> a detective, so it was a little more than a year ago. But, I mean, we couldn't walk into a quick trip without yeah. people being like, Hey guys, all the, like, it's bullshit what you're going through for mm-hmm. one, you know, for one guy, like we still just know people, you know, we still support you mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And it was nice to still, it, yeah. it helps you from just being like, what, fuck this. Like, here's my, yeah. here's my vest. Here's my badge. Here's my gun. See you guys later. I have these little moments that I, I like to kind of reflect upon that kind of, if I'm having like a shitty day, I kind of like, will think about like perfect example this past Christmas, I have a take home car. So somebody in my neighborhood took the time out to write me a Christmas card. They didn't say who it was from, like, hey, Merry Christmas, stay safe from your neighbor. And it's I da- think David DeCalpney. <laughs> I, I wish it was David DeCalpney. Um, you know, when I lived in, when I was still living in Gilbert, you know, a couple years back, um, I had a neighbor whom I have never met before. She, Her daughter made me a little kid's card, you know, with a little police officer. And I was like, uh, straight up started crying. And even on the shittiest day that I have, even if I have just like a dog shit day, I think about those things and I'm like, okay, I got this. This yeah. is the reason why I'm doing this. Right. You know, cause there are still people that still do give a fuck that are just strangers. Like I've had, you know, directing traffic on a fatal. I had somebody come up, Hey, here's some Gatorade, here's some water. Thank you. You know, just something so small and those little things, like I kind of like their little reference points in my brain that kind of bring me back down to earth. If I'm having a shitty day and remind me, why it is that I'm doing this. Right. You know? Yeah. I got, I got home from work the other day and I mean, I, I live in detective land, so I don't, <laughs> I don't really do yeah. like legit cop work anymore. Um, <laughs> you do just a just different in way. A, in a different way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, you know, and I don't wear a uniform. My take home car is just sort of this unmarked, you know, car that, that just blends in with the surroundings. Yeah. Um, it doesn't even have a siren, like, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is against policy. Yeah. If, if anybody, from, okay. if anybody from admin is listening, um, I need a siren. Please. I need a siren. I didn't do anything to it. It came to me like that, but <laughs> I took my, my plate. I think I just had rifle training that day. And so I took my plate carrier out mm-hmm. and it's got police, you know, front and back. And these two, two, uh, neighbors out walking their dog. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever said two words to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and pulled my plate carrier out, set it on the ground, closed my trunk, 
And this lady's, you know, hey, I just saw your vest. Thank you so much for what you do. I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm ha- more than happy yeah. to do this job. And I truly am. Like, yeah. I, I used to say when I was all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed <laughs> that I would do this job for free. Uh, no, yeah. I, I do enjoy being well, paid for this work. Yes. Um, uh, and I truly believe that we are paid fairly well for it. Uh, although, hey, if there's people out there that, because I've had a couple people go, oh, you don't get paid enough for this. If you want to write to whoever you've got to write to. Venmo me. Ven- you can Venmo I'll dro- me. I'll drop my Venmo. I'll tell drop you what, my- I'll start a fucking Patreon. Uh, <laughs> I can't start an OnlyFans that's frowned upon. Weird. Uh, and it's a little weird, but I will start a Patreon yeah. page and you can yeah. pay me direct. How's that sound? It's, um, and it's one of those things too, like, Especially when I got on this job, I, I got my master's degree. That's why I came out here for. And when my grandmother was still alive, she'd be like, Katrina, you know, why don't you become a teacher? Why don't you do something? She used to call me that Katrina. My real name's Catherine. But, you know, why don't you do something else, you know, where you could make more money? And I'm like, I, you know, I have all this education where I could literally just take it and go teach at ASU. I could right. do whatever. But for me, it's not, no one goes into this because they are going to be rich. That's the reality of it unless you have a really lucrative side hustle. But I mean, we do it for a specific reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not for, (laughs) you know, some, there are people who would tell you that, that being a cop is actually not selfless that, you know, Oh, well, you're just in it for the glory and there or whatever you can get. And I'm like, no, not even a little bit. (laughs) because Very little. If any of my job is quote unquote glorious, right. You know, the same, the same people who were like, Oh, like honor and glory storming the beaches in Normandy. I can no. guarantee you none of those fucking guys nope. were like, this is going to be great. Like I'm going to get so many yeah. awards for this as yeah. the, as the ramp drops and they storm the beach. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's, we have our own ramp drop right mm-hmm. in, in law enforcement. And it's never, um, I, I will echo the sentiment that you, you do it when you, especially when you get into certain like higher and higher profile situations, you do it for the people next to you because yep. you don't want to let them down. Yeah, of course. Um, but there is this unceasing desire mm-hmm. to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Oh, yeah. And, and that life of service that it doesn't make you or it doesn't make cat or I any better than anybody else. Like, I'm not, I could not do somebody's finances. The people who do my taxes are my fucking heroes because I'm not in a federal prison somewhere. So, right. Like, you know, if you're not drawn to a life of service, that's Mm -hmm. okay. Um, But understand that like we, we didn't sign up to get killed. We just understand that that's a possibility of our job. Like I've heard the phrase that, Oh, well you write a blank check to the citizens of your city. And like, yeah, but more so than that, I, I just, like the, the cliche is I wanted to help people. Right. Mm-hmm. But like from, a, you never saw yourself being a cop from a very young age. Like this is really all I've wanted to fucking do. Like it was, I, I tell people like, I knew I was going to wear a uniform. I just didn't know what the shoulder patch was going to say. And, and, and the reason why I kind of got into this job, it, it's weird. You know, I've had all these experiences when I was younger growing up and, you know, growing up where I did, I've seen some stuff. I was 15, 16, the first time I saw somebody get killed in front of me, I had a friend run, got run over and killed. And for most normal people, they would be like, fuck. And I, you know, obviously that still sticks with me, but I've had all these weird experiences through that, through my family, that I feel like just, I was on this unconscious path to this. Like I, I just, all my life experiences made me so well suited for this and talking to people and relating to people in my, in my experience. Cause I mean, for me personally, 
I don't have anyone in my family in law enforcement. Um, my uncle did fish and game back in Michigan, um, so game warden type stuff. But other than that, I mean, my parents didn't want me to do this. They were very against me doing this. <laughs> I remember going to the academy and they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I just, I just feel like all my experiences in life had taken me to this point. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember asking my mom when I was in high school, if I could be a police explorer, because <laughs> I had a friend who was a police explorer and she said no. Um, <laughs> yeah. And not that my mom didn't have any respect for law enforcement. It was just not something that she wanted her little baby boy to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and I look at my kid, I mean, my kids too. And I look at him and go, yeah, dude, I don't know that I want you to be a cop right now. Like, you know, oh, it's adorable. You love Chase and Marshall from Paw Patrol. But like, eh. of course, like even firefighters would probably tell you, like, this is a great fucking job. And like, I'd be proud of my kid if they went into that career. And yeah. I would I truly would. But I mean, even firefighters are like, fuck, like we got to deal with all these different cancers and like all yeah. this shit that hits us after we retire yeah. or, or while we're working. Yeah. You know, so uh, I just. Uh, and the it's an interesting road that we all travel down that mm -hmm. that leads us you know led us to to this point right like you you watched that happen when you were 15 and uh, you know moving through your life you got your master's degree and now here you are sitting yeah. in the front room of my house with <laughs> with with me and a, a dude who sometimes still can't believe that uh somebody pinned a badge on his chest and was like right. you're a police officer now but like are you fucking sure <laughs> <laughs> out of, you know i will say this out of all the things that i've done in my life the accomplishments that i've had you know educationally the the proudest moment I had in my life was graduating the academy. Yeah, hundred percent. Sure, that is the. You know, I've got a bachelor's degree. The academy blows that out of the water mm -hmm. every every day, right? Yeah. I mean, it was truly you. You had a challenge put in front of yes. you, in and and in so many ways, right? It's challenging academically, where you know going through college is helpful to you because you know how to manage your time and mm -hmm. and and write papers and study you've developed all these hopefully you've developed some good habits in college yes in college definitely. right um but then there's the physical fitness aspect to it there's the the sort of stress quote stress. unquote stress inoculation behind it right yes. where i asked uh we had a lot of dudes in my academy class who were in the military and i asked one of them colton like hey how does this compare to boot camp and he's like you know dude he goes it, it's difficult in its own way just as boot camp was hard in yeah. its own way like it's you sort of apples to oranges mm -hmm. like it's, it's in the same family like there's stress but it's different kinds of stress yeah right like so i thought that was an interesting uh interesting way that he looked at it but good old the, academy life good man. old academy life would you go back if they said like uh like knowing what you know now like yes. if, if you went back would you go back yes i would do it the only thing i would change differently is i i see myself in a lot of ways being a little bit naive and i say that um you know, I, I was at a different agency before my first one and I didn't understand. I, you know, I thought the true enemy, the true enemies, oh, bad guys on the street, they're going to kill you. The, obviously, mm -hmm. that's what they, they, you know, pound into your brain. But I, I had no idea of the concept of interdepartment politics, right. which thankfully now in the place I'm at, I, you know, I don't really have that as much. Um, my first agency is the one thing where I got that crash course really early in my career and it blindsided me in a lot of ways because I didn't think that, you know, I, and it, that agency I was at, I'm not going to name it. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunities that they gave me as a smaller agency about like 70 sworn in the Valley. Um, and I, I didn't see those things coming. And I think that for me, that was like a naivety on my part. Sure. Sure. And it just, it actually just reminded me that, uh, my partner who trained me to be a detective, he graduated the Academy with you. Really? Yeah. 
I think I think I know. You think you know what it is? <laughs> I think he was my. I think he was actually my carpool partner. Yes, that, yes. that is yeah. correct. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to you, good sir. If you yes. are listening. Hey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is what I love about doing this podcast. Is mm-hmm. is that whole? I don't know. Twenty minute conversation just came out of me asking you what books you read. Yeah. And we talked about stoicism. Yeah. Uh, but I do have a couple more for you let's, as far as these, these icebreakers really just okay. turn into the show. Okay. Um, I'm here for it. Uh, what is something that is, uh, is considered to be a conspiracy theory that you wholeheartedly believe to be true? Aliens. I'm on it. I like it. And does that come from your, your childhood watching the X-Files? No. Well, if you look at it, cause again, kitty cat is actually a big time. Nerd. Oh, no, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I, and, and if you just look at things and I look at them, I try to look at them you know, just using science as my like rubric for assessing things. If you look at it in terms of sheer probability, we would be a statistical anomaly to be the only type of life form in the entire universe. Right. And that terrifies the shit out of me. You know what I mean? Cause I don't it's know. It's a big lonely fucking place. Yeah. Otherwise, right. If there's, yeah. if there is nothing out there, every star you look at mm-hmm. in the night sky is just like the sun. Yeah. Right. That's what you're looking at is suns very, very, very fucking far away. And you're telling me that not fucking one of them out of the trillions that are up there, yeah. not one of them has whatever our <laughs> counterpart would be. Yes. Um, and I encourage everyone to, again, another book to jump up the last one. Stephen Hawking, A Brief History of Time. Really good, really right. good read. Okay. A, a good basic intro to astrophysics. Again, I sound like such a dork. No, you know, it's just a little <laughs> bit, a little bit of light evening reading your intro to astrophysics. <laughs> Neil deGrasse of... Tyson would would probably hug you <laughs> yes. for saying that. Yeah, yeah. I want Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson and I may not necessarily agree on things politically, but Agreed. I want him to narrate a fucking book Absolutely. about my life. Absolutely. I love that guy. I love that guy too. <laughs> um yeah. A little light reading, you know, a little a little string theory, never hurt anyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, aliens. So I wouldn't consider that. I mean, like I said, if you just look at things in terms of sheer probability of numbers, it has to, there's no way that we are the only things that are out there. Aliens drop out of the sky tomorrow. What do you do? Shit my pants. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I think about that. Cause that, cause then, so if you accept the possibility that aliens do exist, then you're just like, holy shit. You know, what does that mean? Because if they come down tomorrow, are we, are we doing a world of the worlds thing? I mean, they got here, right? Like, we can get to the moon. Uh, <laughs> well, at least we think we can. We've done it before. And we can get to a space station that we built. But we can only have, like, you know, 11 people on it at a given time. And and we're, gonna, yeah. we're going to just have an otherworldly... Uh, being or beings just, you know. just come bebopping down to, yeah. to old Arizona here. And they had to have gotten here from wherever they started from, and it wasn't in this solar system, so, so uh, I'd be fucking terrified. So a really interesting theory that I had heard, um, I don't remember where I read it from. I was just talking about this with a friend. So if I, it had been suggested to me that all the technology that we acquired really at the inception of World War II was just technology that we had acquired from reverse engineering alien craft that had- it's like cra- the Roswell theory. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about that, you're like, holy shit, because like not more than 50 years, 100 years prior. I mean, we're still living. We OK, electricity is a thing. Right now, all of a sudden we we're doing all this. You know, we've made great leaps and bounds in technology. I mean, if you and if you think about it roughly, I'm not a mathematician, so I, I do mean roughly. 
uh, I'm starting to sound like when I write police reports <laughs> to give a approximate date and time. Yes. Um, on about or between. Um, <laughs> so 60-ish years ago, right? Yeah. Um, we were just starting. Oh, I would, yeah, I would say with my dad being born in, in the 50s. Yeah. So 60 to 65 years ago, we were starting manned space flight. Yeah. We did it with a monkey named Ham. And then we put Alan Shepard onto this fucking rocket that somebody was like, nah, might work. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. See what happens. Send Alan, it. you good for it? He's like, send it. Let's yeah. do this shit. I ain't here to pussyfoot around. Mm. And Alan Shepard gets shot up into the fucking, you know, into yeah. the sky. Uh, looks around for a few minutes and then plops back down yeah. to Earth. 60 years before that, you couldn't comprehend Absolutely. humans flying. Absolutely. It was it was still just an idea. It was a drawing. Like, we'd had balloons and yeah. uh, and zeppelins, uh, <laughs> but uh, but only barely zeppelins. And zeppelins, balloons, good word. I forgot about that word. Balloons yes. were, oh, you want to, yes. I told you I had a, a fetish for flight. I, yeah, there's a difference between <laughs> zeppelin and blimp, and I didn't know that until I read oh. a book about it. But yeah, I uh, know I'm a nerd um, in my own special way. But uh, it's crazy when you think about Yeah, the, like we, we hadn't even, the Wright brothers hadn't even fucking absolutely. flown yet. And, and then 60 years later, we're in space, but really, I mean, like jet aircraft were only invented like, I don't know, 20 ish years before we went to the moon. Yeah. And then in, in 20 years, we were like, hey, that jet airplane that the Nazis came up with, you know, what we could do with that. We could go to the fucking moon. It's crazy. So I think about that and I'm like, hmm. Now you, got, now you got me. I'm like, maybe there's some credibility there. I need a whole separate podcast channel. I like I get <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge I'm a huge nerd for like specific things and like things regarding physics, astrophysics specifically. I'm like, ooh yes, talk about it. But yeah, I would say aliens. <laughs> okay, David Duchovny, if you're listening. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> 911. <laughs> but only in a specific but area. Only in a specific Otherwise, area. you've got to be asked to pass through to a different county and they're going to have questions. And it's just going to be It'll awkward get weird. for everybody. Yeah. Um, but talk about astrophysics on your first date. If David Duchovny called you tomorrow and was like, hey, I'm going to take you on a date, where do you go on your first date? Oh, wow. You got like a steakhouse you want to go to? Or are you more like seafood? I just like, I like steakhouse. I love Fogo de Chao in Scottsdale. All right. So awesome. I haven't been there in a minute. Isn't that like Brazilian? Yes, okay. it's a Brazilian. I've never steakhouse. eaten there. I it's have awesome. It. They just basically stuff your face with meat. They go to the table and you give them. They like, got to be doing something right. That place has been there for fucking twenty oh, years. Oh yeah, so they give you like a green coaster and a red coaster, and if you want green, they just come around and they just they just they hook it up. They just give you all the meats that they have. Love it. And I'm also I have an inner fat kid. <laughs> My, so, mine used to be on the inside. Now he's now he's creeping out, but that's okay. Well, my natural body frame is actually really small. So in order for me to gain weight, I just have to incessantly stuff my stuff my face with food. So my caloric my caloric intake every day is stupid. Um, but yes, steak, food, anything. I love food. Yeah, you would just be happy to have like, David Duchovny sitting across. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do nothing. <laughs> Fair, or you could do David Duchovny, but I no, don't know. No, or that, or that. You know, whatever. Not weird or anything. No, not weird. I don't know if he's married, but weird. Oh, man, the X-Files. Yes. You know, I did not get into the X-Files oh, until probably, I, I think I got into them maybe like four or five years ago. So I, I want to say, I want to say it debuted in the early to mid-90s. Yep. So I would have been, I was still in probably elementary school because I'm going to be 38 
And I remember watching that and being like terrified, but simultaneously like, oh man, this is good. And also too, fun fact of Rooney, because I'm all about the random facts. Um, the same writers that wrote parts of the X-Files also did uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Oh, no I, shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Uh, Vince Gilgan was a writer on the show okay. and he did Breaking Bad. So, and it's just, it's, it's awesome. I like the last couple seasons, they kind of, they kind of crapped the bed, which kind of disappointed yeah. me, but Yeah. Well, and, and for those of you, if you were like me and living under a rock who have not seen the X-Files, the CGI leaves a lot to be desired because, again, it was early mm-hmm. to mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, but I binge-watched the shit out of that over the course of, like, two mm-hmm. weekends. I, I just went and plowed through the entire series because I got so hooked good. on it. You know, it was amazing. So the other, the other series that I highly recommend, since we're randomly diverting to TV, if you guys haven't seen The Wire... I just had a conversation. I haven't, well, I have not oh, watched The God. Wire. So I just had a conversation with my coworkers about just TV. I don't really watch TV anymore. So I, you know, do Netflix and stuff. But The Wire, especially if you're a cop, is probably the most realistic cop show that exists. And it's like on, it's, I think it was produced by HBO. I want to say in like the 90s or 2000s. It's phenomenal. And it's the most real cop show because every season is about uh, police in Baltimore. So the first season's just about like, you know, the cops out there doing their thing in Baltimore then the following seasons, like the kids that are the byproduct of crime mm-hmm. and how they grow up in Baltimore. And then the next season's like the politics, like the mayor's office dealing with the police department. It's actually, it's really good. All right. So highly recommend. I know Netflix had it for a while. That's where I watched it. And it's, it's addicting. Nice. I got to dive into that. So yeah. now I've got a list of books yes. and I need to watch the go. wire. There you go. All right. Cool. Uh, you can go forward or backwards 10 years for a 30 minute conversation with yourself without any consequences right none of this none of this butterfly effect you step on a leaf and the world ceases to exist hmm forward or backwards forward or backward 30 minute conversation 10 years forward or backwards backwards 10 years which direction do you go i would say backwards all right and i think i didn't have the confidence in myself that i have now which i think is so 10 years ago i was in my late 20s i was just becoming a cop Um, I didn't have the same type of self-confidence that I have now for a bunch of different reasons. Um, And again, like we talked about, like interdepartment politics and just crap, you know, let permeate into my brain um, and affect my attitude towards things. And um, I would have told myself, you know what? You need to be a tougher bitch. You know, get that some of that Detroit grit, fucking pick yourself up by your bootstraps and go because you got this. You know, I... Knowing what I know now, I always had it, but just I was unsure of myself. Yeah, it was always there, right? Yeah. You just, something's got to show you that it's there. And I would also tell myself to start doing CrossFit and to not be a dumbass and deadlift. (laughs) What about Bitcoin? Would you buy Bitcoin? What's that? Would you buy Bitcoin? I would buy Bitcoin, yeah. (laughs) It'd be hard hard not to like go back with the, uh, you know... I, I am no supporter of the NFL, but to go back with all the sports scores for the oh. last 10 years. Oh, yeah. And Bitcoin and just. We're not even getting like that far deep oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> just like on a very like very singular, le- like cellular level, just talking to younger kitty cat and being like, you know what? You got this. Don't stress. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So now that we've gotten through the icebreaker Ooh. questions, uh, <laughs> but uh, how long have you been a police officer? I've been a police officer. It's going to be eight years this August. Okay. And you are currently a field training officer. I am. Um, what are some challenges that you've seen? How long have you been an FTO? I've been an FTO now for about 
I know you did tell me a minute ago. I completely four forgot. years, roughly. Four years. Okay. Yeah. So, what are some challenges that you see with sort of the new crop coming through the FPO program? Oh boy. Program? Oh boy. You're talking about like with younger cops in general? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, younger cops are just you know newer because again, I think that I think it is younger cops because you mm-hmm. you may get people in their 30s and 40s who decide mm-hmm. to become police officers, you know, quote unquote, late in life. Yeah. Um, but they've got whatever life experience they yeah. have. Um, and, and they, even if it's still this millennial, millennial generation that you mm-hmm. and I are a part of, there is a, a, a gap within yes. that generation. Right. So yeah, amongst like the newer officers, what are the challenges that, that you see and how do you combat them? I'll speak broadly. Cause some of them, you know, we don't get a lot of younger, we haven't been getting a lot of younger kids at my agency, but I do talk to people from other agencies and it's just kind of like overall same type of trend of course, the, the the question of everything, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And, you know, when I first became a police officer, you know, forever ago, um, I had the old, my first agency, the old school type of mentality, like you're going to, you're going to do this boot and that's it. And you didn't ask questions about why. So when I understand that, because people learn differently, um, I would also say too, social media has kind of changed things. Um, and I see it, and again, it's not specific to my agency. It's just when I look at social media in general, and I know that's interesting coming from me having a large presence on social media, but the vast majority of it's not related to my job. Um, I see a lot of people that are on there that want to wear the uniform, but don't want to put the time in. They want it for the selfies and, yeah. and, but they don't want it for the, yeah. And again, those, those three month decomps we were talking yeah, about. Yeah. And, th- and that's not, I haven't run into that my agency specifically, like I'm lucky. Um, but just a general trend, like I've seen just on social media. Um, I'm trying to think some other things. Um, with someone that hasn't had the type of upbringing or haven't had, exp- you know, cause when I grew up, kids fought in high school. Like I got into fights before I was a cop. So when I became a police officer getting into fights, it wasn't a thing. And now it's different. You know, especially Arizona was a weird culture shock for me. People aren't as generally confrontational. Everybody's got a fucking gun. (laughs) Yeah. So I grew up in a very confrontational place. So that wasn't hard for me. But, you know, now you have a generation of kids that are, I say kids because like, I feel old <laughs> that are becoming police officers that have never gone into a fight before. You know, they don't know how to talk to people because primarily all their interaction is just with computer or phone or sure. whatever. Yep. And it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, cause how do you teach someone social skills? And again, I'm lucky in that I haven't specifically run into that. Um, some of the things I, like again, the the people I've trained specifically, not being not having the same type of experience as getting in fights and all that stuff, that's pretty normal, I would say. And again, I'm the exception rather than the rule, just because of where I'm from. Um, and I don't, you know, and you can learn, you can learn that. Right, but I mean, you look at at you being a, a deputy, and mm-hmm. again, for those who aren't cops, there there are differences. <laughs> we oh, we yeah. we joke about, you know, troopers versus cops versus deputies. Of course. And, and generally speaking, quote unquote police officers, like mm-hmm. that specific title is reserved for cities or like uh transit authority, uh something along those lines. And then deputies are largely relegated to counties, which mm-hmm. again you look at it 
and counties are much bigger than any city, generally speaking. Absolutely. And uh, counties are sparsely populated when you get out into the sticks, um, and, which you don't even really have to drive that far to get out into the <laughs> yeah. sticks, right? But it, it there is so much geography between you and your yes. backup officer. Whereas I'm falling over 12 of me yes. at any given time, right? Like the longest I've ever been in a fight was maybe three minutes. <laughs> That's cute. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like I, I can't, I can't say shit compared to some of these deputies and troopers. I mean, yeah. the state troopers, uh, highway patrol officers, whatever you might call them, your, your stateies, if mm-hmm. you're back East again, and a yet another, um, part of our career yet another uh, sort of subset of our career where your backup is a long way off it's different and especially training new people um i in i'll, I'll say the general area where i work i work in the casa grande area which incorporates interstate 8 interstate 10 um the um so i cover a really big area so depending on where i'm at sometimes i have people that are five or ten minutes away sometimes they're 40 minutes away so in training a new person i mean you really have to be self-confident about your decision-making as in when to engage and when not to engage. Um, and uh, I I know we talked about this before we went on the air. One of the gals I just got done training over the summer, God bless her. Mo, I love you, girl. I hope you listen to this. I told her I was going to talk about her. <laughs> and you want to talk about just trial by fire, man. Because um, we've been really busy. We've had a lot of really serious stuff happen. And um, my first... My first night with her, she's phase one, night one, four hours into our shift. We have a guy way out west bail out of a car with a gun. And I know how I would handle it if I was by myself. But, I mean, I have somebody here that's with me that's never been exposed to any, you know, stress on the job. And you don't know how they're going to react. She did awesome. I'm so proud of her. She's going to be a badass deputy. Um, But she got some exposure to that stuff, and it's different. It's definitely different working in a county environment versus working a city environment. And Mm -hmm. you really have to, especially for other women, you have to break it down, man. If it's you and somebody else, I like me more than I like you. You put me in a bad spot. Right. You have to handle it accordingly. You have to be, you have to know how to engage and when to engage and what level to engage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's. There's something to be said too for that that's you know trial by fire yeah i mean oh, yeah. We, we talk about stress inoculation in an academy setting uh, i have yet to have an rto or a recruit training officer somebody who teaches at the academy come in here but there is a stark difference between they can they can put you through scenarios from sun up to sundown yeah but <laughs> you don't know shit until that yes. that hits the ground and and your confidence right where i was as a patrol cop when i left patrol yeah was vastly different than where I was as a patrol cop when I started patrol. And I could sort of go into a situation and instead of being, you know, wrapped around the axle, I could be like, okay, this is Mm -hmm. what we got. I'm not going to get spun up before I Mm -hmm. get there because the call you get isn't the call you got, you know, rarely, right, by the time you get there. But I can remember uh, my buddy Brent, who I've I've talked about him on the show before, um, yet another person who I think you you might know a little bit uh, on the side maybe. Uh, (laughs) And uh, he... I think he had his OIT. I think it was another one of those week one day ones. And a dude's just flipping door handles in a parking lot. That's the call that comes out, right? Flipping door handles. Well, OIT goes to like approach this dude and the dude draws a gun, but oh, then, tur- but then turns and runs away. Okay. But he runs in towards a, a fucking store and it's the middle of the afternoon working swing shift. 
and like, holy fuck, dude. Hey, uh, you've been a police officer <laughs> for like, like a day for like three and a half yeah. hours. And now you've got a dude who just pulled a gun on you for yeah. something as simple as like, hey, dipshit, what are you doing? Why are you pulling on door handles? Yeah. Uh, OK, we're going to run you. And hey, don't fucking do that again. And you know what? You're trespassed from this parking lot. And now you've got a potential hostage situation. Yes. Uh, thank God the dude kept running. He ran through the store and out the, mm -hmm. the other end. Um, and then there was a funny moment where uh, I, I was driving an F-150 and I look over beyond this this like neighborhood wall. <laughs> Neighborhood's just under construction. Nobody lives there. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'll just hop over the wall and I'll just chase after him. And I like am running towards this wall, rifle, everything. And I'm running Whoop. towards the wall. And uh, as you're running towards it, it looks like it's only a few feet high. Oh, no. Because I didn't see the ditch in front of it that oh. <laughs> made it like a 10 foot tall wall. <laughs> yeah. But again, you talk about sizing the situation yes. up. And I was like. No, I'm not. I'm not dislocating my knee and getting Absolutely. a medical over this bullshit. Like <laughs> the biggest thing I try to emphasize to my trainees as well is like you can fix reports, you can unarrest people. The biggest thing is you can't undead yourself and you can't undead your partners. That's the shit that matters, man. You know, and I've seen people get all spun up about like, oh my god, report writing. Realistically. I don't expect people to write like me. Everyone has different educational levels, experience levels, whatever. That thing's grammar, you know, syntax, all those things can be fixed. But the, the shit that matters, like, hey, are you willing, are you willing to kill somebody if they, you know, they pull a gun on you? Those are the big questions. Those are the big things. And it's- It should be asked in every uh, oral board interview. Absolutely. Um, but when you have somebody with you that- you know, hasn't had those exposures, it can be, you know, cause you kind of have to assess like, Hey, are they, what, what level, what threshold are they functioning in? Cause I've had trainees in the past that were awesome, but they had, this is like years and years ago, gotten to a situation where shit shit's going bad. And especially in County, you know, how a lot of people and they're functioning in code black. I'm like, Hey bro, my gun's out of the holster. That's probably a clue that your gun should also be out of the holster. Right. And knowing when to kind of pull them back. You know, because they obviously have to get stress exposure, but they have to understand, <laughs> you know, this is even though we're in FTO and even though you have somebody with you, shit can still go. The side. world does not care that you're in your field training they phase one week, nope, one day one. They don't care. There was um, and this will always stick with me and I can't remember what state it was. Um, it was a female OIT killed um, on her first day on the job, her first call on the job, DV. Goes up to a door, gets ambushed. I think it was that dark-haired girl, and the she's got the picture of her yep. at the blue dress and the blue line lineal or the blue line flag. It wasn't her. There's because she came. That was like California somewhere. I remember she her. was from California. There was another gal from the East Coast. Well, and even I mean, out here in Arizona, you know, mm -hmm. um, DPS trooper Tyler Edenhofer. Yes, you know. Yep. That that motherfucker that killed him didn't give a shit that Tyler was on his FTO Absolutely phase, right? Not. And and he shot Tyler, and and I think he shot at his partner, like his his FTO. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how else to put it other than like the, the shitheads of the world don't, the Karens of the world don't care that yeah. you've been a cop for less than a day. We, I remember, mm -hmm. I do remember week one, day one of FTO, my FTO arrests a dude out of a Walmart for shoplifting. And we got this dude in the back of our car we're just going to drive him up just to, just to, uh, fingerprint him, photograph him, yep. kick him loose with a citation, right? Nothing right now to me is like, okay, cool. Dude, this is going to be a 30 minute process. Get you on your way. Yep. And this dude is like, well, Hey, to my instructor, how long have you been a cop? And he was like, Oh, six years. And he looked at me and he goes, how long have you been a cop? And it hit me. I looked at him. I was like, dude, I've been a cop for like 15 minutes. And he was like, 
huh. really? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, bro. And I was going to say, and really seasoned bad people, they, they know that shit. Mm. They can just, it's like they sense it and they just will prey upon it. Cause I've had, again, this has been like years and years ago, people that are no longer at the agency um, where they sense that, oh, this person's new and they're going to take advantage and you, you kind of watch it unfold. And it's again, all about when to pull it back. So I had to pull them aside. I'm like, listen, dude, you don't realize that this guy that you're talking to knows you're a new person and he's running game on you. Yeah. He's you, already sized you up. Absolutely. I'm like, you need to pull your head out of your ass and we need to deal with this stuff because this shit is real life. Yeah. And they will fucking walk all over you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that, all of my FTOs I learned a lot from. Um, I still continue to learn a lot from them. Yeah. They, they are now senior detectives and sergeants or, or still just that yeah. much more senior officers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can distinctly remember in a, uh, uh, in a VFW of all places, um, this, this guy who come to find out having, having dealt with him a little bit later on, yeah. after, you know, after this occurred, uh, struggling with, he was, a like a, a UAV pilot mm -hmm. and was struggling with the fact that like he'd launched hellfire missiles on people. And, mm -hmm. and I, I don't pretend to understand what that's like, but yeah. he was drunkard and shit. Yep. Uh, had his service dog who he was threatening, threatening with a knife to oh, cut its Jesus. throat open. Yeah. Uh, and he had stopped doing that. He had tied his dog up outside. Mind you, I'm in FTO phase in June, July, August ish. So it's hot as fuck outside for this poor dog. Um, and walk inside of the VFW. And again, he's drunk as shit and he throws a bunch of like stars and stripes magazines or whatever. I mean, oh, and Jesus. he's like, he's like, here, boot, read these, you oh, learn fuck. something. And my <laughs> FTO at the time who, who had, was himself a veteran thought that was fucking hilarious, mm -hmm. but also again, had to have that come to Jesus talk with yeah. me of like, you fucking walked in there. You tried to like uh, yet another valuable lesson I learned on FTO is that you can't yes, sir. No, sir. Everybody. Absolutely not. What, what society wants you to be, First of all, society doesn't even fucking know what they want from their police officers. <laughs> yes. But but what society wants of this, like, I've had somebody be like, you will address me as sir. I'm like, okay, uh, okay, sounds good, sir. Turn your fucking music off or I'm going to write you a citation yeah. because you're being unreasonable. You're now driving me to be unreasonable and write you a citation for noise <laughs> ordinance violations. Like, but this dude was very much the like, oh, yes, sir. Let me please, sir. Will you please come with me, sir? And it's mm -hmm. like, hey, man, that ain't going to work. Especially anymore. in county. It's really funny. Um, again, having worked in the valley, it's different. And then working in county, if you, especially in some of the rough areas, if you call someone sir, ma'am, they straight up will get offended. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's weird. You got to be like, hey, motherfucker. I mean, and it they they understand that because you're speaking to them at that level. But I think just speaking about FTO in general, I think it made me a better deputy. Um, at my agency, we don't have corporals, so it's kind of like an intermediary between a deputy and like a supervisory role. Sure. But it makes you understand better how to do your job, and it makes you, I mean, you can speak to people better. Um, it made me be better at assessing, you know, hey, this shit is, <laughs> you know, you get you get a really good, I don't want to say it, read on people. Sure. Because you have to look at your OIT, look at what they're going through and understand when to pull back and when to push them more and understand what it is their, what their needs are, you know, because everyone learns at a different pace. Um, everyone has different experience. So sometimes people are slow learners and sometimes people need to learn with trial by fire. Yeah. <laughs> I had, I had a buddy of mine say that the, 
the thing that struck him about being an FTO is that he feels being a field training officer, that he's a better officer all around yes. because he didn't want to look stupid in front of, of his OIT. Of course. And so he was driven to educate himself on, I mean, absolutely case law, you know, yeah. not only local at local law, but I mean, at the, at that, like Supreme court level as well. Yes. And when you can and cannot do shit. Absolutely. And I thought that I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, I guess you're right. You, Cause we've all, I think we've all had that FTO where we were like, uh, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? And, and even, <laughs> even my experiences again, not to not to beat a dead horse, the place that I initially came from, um, even the people that I didn't care for as FTOs, I learned about what kind of police officer or deputy I didn't want to be because I saw, you know, I didn't like their attitude or the way that they interacted with people. I'm like, okay, I see that and I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be the fucking asshole cop. I mean, sometimes you have to be, it's inevitable, but you don't, there's no need to go up to someone just... <laughs> calling about some, and we know it's stupid, stupid neighbor problems. Be like, listen, motherfucker, you know, barring exigent circumstance, you know, and there's some salty cops that are forced to do it, that don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And they, I mean, you have to look at it as you're shaping the, uh, the future of your agency. Right. You know, well, and that goes into a whole nother conversation. I mean, yeah. you look at, at specialties just in general, and I don't know that any cop should be pushed into that position. Like you need to have somebody who wants to be yes, there. Otherwise you're absolutely. just going to, you're degrading. If you look at it as though we are providing a product, which we are, yeah. we are providing a service to the mm -hmm. public. You're degrading that product yes. for the end user, right? Like for your, your quote unquote customer. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud that the people that I've trained, um, they're doing awesome, especially at my, my present agency, they're kicking ass. I'm really proud of them. Um, I see the things that they're going into and it makes me proud because they're going to be the future of the agency that's going to replace me you know, whenever I retire. So, and I, t I take pride in that because I don't want someone to be like, oh, wow, Kat was a lazy ass and I didn't learn jack shit from her. I'm like, no, Kat basically, you know, told me to be proactive. We, we did a bunch of shit that I thought was really awesome. This motivated, you know, and I always tell people too, like that I train, if you need something in the future, call me, hit me up. You know, maybe I can be a resource to you in the future. You know, I just trained a guy who was a lateral from another agency who did awesome and I learned a lot. I learned so much from every person that I trained, especially laterals, because a lot of them have much more experience in really specific areas that I don't have. Um, he was a canine handler at another agency. He was awesome and so articulate at search and seizure. And I thought that's great. I learned so much from him in case law because he's like, oh, man, I've been in suppression hearings and all this other stuff. I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, learning things from him. But moving forward, I'm like, dude, you need to be an FTO. Mm -hmm. So I kind of put that, that idea in his head. Um, he's one of my squad, mate, squad mates now. I think very highly of him, and he's doing that now, which I think is awesome. And it, it just goes to show that I would be <laughs> I would be lost in the sauce coming down to a, a county agency, especially one with a uh, somewhat more unique like mission profile, like the the shit that you guys come across compared to. It's different. Like, I can I can be a, I can be a cop. Like I can do this job at its base function, but it's you just, it's, it's still, it's a different world down there, right? Like it's a different world. And especially when you look at my agency in particular, compared to count, um, to other agencies in, um, you know, the Valley, um, we don't have a lot of women, which, you know, I don't know if, I don't know why that is. So I'm like in typically on my own little Island. It's usually only, I think on patrol for us, we have maybe less than seven. So and it's how much of an area are you covering? Just out of curiosity. Oh, maybe a hundred plus square miles, hundred square miles with seven people. 
uh, less <laughs> on, on a good night. I'm about five or six Holy in my little shit. region. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a unique experience. I'm curious. I don't offhand know the square mileage of where I work. I used to know. So I'm, the total I'm square, sure I knew that at one, the total time. square miles of the County I work in is roughly about the size of Rhode Island. I think it's like, I want to say 5,400, 3,400, some, something like that. It's, I mean, it's a huge County. Let's see what we can come up with here. Let's see. Now you got me. Now you got me curious. What does uh, what does the mighty Google have to say? Uh, where's the fucking Wikipedia page? That's all I want. Why is that so damn difficult to come up with? Um, it it continues to blow my mind though. Talking to people who work in an area such as that with as little resources as you have. Yeah. And and how you are almost forced to grow grow up as a cop maybe absolutely a little bit quicker yeah than than other people and not to shit on so the area that i work has a total square mileage of just under 66 square miles <laughs> and we will put it if and that's a big if if we are fully staffed like the stars have aligned and every team is fully staffed <laughs> we will put 24 patrol yeah. officers and three sergeants. Yeah. And then we talk about the canines, <laughs> right? Um, uh, which there's, I think there is one or two of them on at any given time. Um, so you're putting, let's just round it out to 30 people. That's crazy. In an area, um, a little less than half the size of, of just the one part of your county mm -hmm. that you patrol. And, I, I and think, you do it with a third of the resources. And I think the thing... You guys I, do have a helicopter, though, which I am super jealous of. We have of. a bunch of planes and stuff. I am in our In our aviation unit and search and rescue, they're, they're badass. They do some shit, mad props to them. They're, they're a bunch of badasses. Um, I think there was definitely a shift in my mindset. Um, I had a break in service in between my first agency and my second agency. So I was working as a contractor for immigration, which PS it sucked. I don't like it. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do it. I basically worked in jail and prison. I took people down to Mexico every night. Um, fun fact of Rooney. Um, but I definitely had a shift in mindset as far as how I carried myself when it came to County, because I, you know, and even working in my first area, which is more, I would say more like a city, even that was just, I'm like, holy crap, we don't really have a lot of people there. And I thought at that time that was spread out. And so I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, I really need to get dialed in. Like, I was always like super scrawny and my, my cardio was great. But I'm like, well, shit. I was on FTO at my present agency and I saw some shit. <laughs> we had fight. I'm just, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And I'm like, man, I really need to get stronger and better and more effective and then I had somebody, I was so lucky that all of my FTOs were all in SWAT. So I had this really cool experience where I had a chance to go out on probably about half a dozen SWAT callouts, which was super rad. Cause like, man, I always got left behind at the station. No, I man. had two FTOs on they were, SWAT and they were like, was, go the fuck inside. It was crazy. They, were, like, they, okay. they let me send the bear cat and they're like, Hey, come on. You're going to be our hands-on person. I was like, holy shit, this is cool. But one of the guys told me, and then this this stuck with me, and this is why I'm so big on training. And and this is not a slight to the agency, or this is just a generalized comment. If you want to improve your skills, whether it's PT, DT, um, shooting, you have to invest in that because your agency isn't going to give you 
typically the training to do it. They have to check boxes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it I get is it. what it is. I get right? it. You know, because every, I can't think of any agency that's just like flush with cash, but what that translated for me, like I was always like a mediocre shooter. You know, I could, I could pass, I I'd pass qual, but just barely. So I had, you know, had some experiences and I, that really stuck in my head and kind of rattled around. Um, and then, so I started taking classes on my own dime down at the range at the Castle Grand Police Range, which they have an Instagram page. They host a ton of awesome instructors, pistol, rifle, whatever it is. Oh, I never shot a rifle before. And the first time I did, I just absolutely sucked, by the way. So I'm like, well, shit, I need to get better. And then when you start taking these classes, so I, my first class I took, I think it was basic handgun. And as, and as again, being a cop, you're like, oh yeah, I got this. You know, we, we do all this firearms training. I got this. And then you realize you're getting your ass shot off by civilians. Yeah. And it makes you think you, these, you, these fucking competitive shooters yeah. who just come in and burn it. And down. not even, not even that just people just like that do this stuff like as a hobby in the weekend. And it makes you think, well, fuck, this is my job. This is my livelihood. I carry a gun every day and here I am getting outshot by some dude in an uncle Mike's Velcro holster. <laughs> like seriously, um, 1911, two world wars. Uh, yeah. So it it's called, you know, and you realize how much you don't actually know. Cause you know, as cops, we like to think like, oh yeah, we got, we do all this training at the range. We really don't realistically. And if you just are doing the bare minimum, just to get by with your qual, you're doing a disservice to yourself and your partners. Um, so it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's basically the more you get into training, the more you realize you don't know shit. Right. So when I started going to all these classes, I'm like, fuck man. I, so many things I'd never been exposed to in law enforcement and just being around people and I'm like, holy fuck, these guys are dialed in. Like I took, um, I took a couple years ago, a Lang, uh, Ernest Langland, awesome shooter, awesome shooter, just like next level. And there were some guys there that um, are from tier one concealed. They own a holster company and seeing these guys shoot literally blew my mind. And I'm like, fuck man. If it, So I highly, I highly encourage people. They've never done any extra training, especially regarding firearms do it, spend the money. It's not cheap, obviously, but it's going to pay off dividends in the end. Because I mean, realistically, it's your life. Right. We do this shit for a living. We carry a gun for a living. There's no excuse to be that person that's like a mediocre shooter. You know, and that also translates to physical fitness. There's no excuse to be the fat slob that can barely function. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, should I became that detective, right? That, that like, I'm never, I'm <laughs> not, gonna, I, I'm not going to, the, I'm not going to gain 20 pounds in investigations. No, that's exactly what I did. And now I'm having to work twice yeah. as hard to get back yeah. to where I was. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, changing, changing up my diet a little bit and, mm -hmm. and adding to my exercise. Uh, side note, if you've gained 20 pounds, don't try to take a motivational selfie video of you jump roping. Shit, <laughs> shit jiggles when it's not supposed to and it's not attractive. Maybe, so. maybe, it, changed you into, maybe it changed you into doing more stuff. Um, the physical fitness thing for me, it's weird. I had this like weird evolution because like I said, when I when I went to I went to Aaliyah, um, when I was there, I was like, oh yeah, man, I'm, I'm running a nine minute mile and a half. Like I was a road guard and I, I thought I was like the shit. I was like, yeah, I got this. And then I was like, you know, 100, 110 pounds, you know, you could like literally just take me off, flick me off like a booger. Like I'm so tiny. Um, and so that's, <laughs> I quickly realized that doesn't translate to being effective on the street. FYI, I'm not hating on runners. I was a competitive runner my entire life, but 
it's a different type of physical fitness, a different type of shape you have to be in to be effective on a street level. And so when I came to County, I really, I, that's one of those other things that kind of was in my brain. I was like, fuck man, you know, cause I've been in, when I first came to County and I was on FTO, we got in a couple of small fights and, you know, I handled my business, but I'm, you know, I'm just like, well, fuck, if I was by myself, would this go the same way? Right. You know? So those things kind of started rattling around in my brain. And if you're not fighting dirty, you're not wanting to win. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. This isn't no fucking rules here. This is, Abs- this, this is absolutely. an octagon. It's not a ring. Mm-hmm. There's no ref that, mm-hmm. that dude or, or chick. Cause some of the better fights oh, yeah. that I've been oh, in, there's some women scrappy are women, man. Yeah. Women are, <laughs> women are nasty to fight with. And I, and I've trained some dudes and I let them know. Cause I've seen them or even guys in my squad, my younger squad, um, where they're just getting off on their own and they're trying to be real nice. I'm like, there's no nice way to arrest someone that's being resistant. Right. It doesn't matter if they're a woman or a man. <laughs> it does, it's not going to look pretty. Yeah. The, the faster that you can get it over with, Absolutely. with, which comes down to your own personal training within defensive tactics. What mm-hmm. can you, what can you draw on? Right. Is it, is it Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Is it Krav Maga? Is, is it, yeah. you know, uh, whatever insert, there are so many different varieties, Absolutely. right? Insert, yeah. uh, insert, DT related topic yeah. here. Um, it's your physical fitness. It's your ability to talk to people. Yeah. Um, but if you just sit there and you got your little fucking expandable <laughs> Harry Potter wand, absolutely, and you're just like wailing on them half assed, like that's it's going to look like you're beating the shit out of this person mm-hmm. on a camera, mm-hmm. and then they're going to turn around and beat the fuck out of you. Yeah. P- potentially, right? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I always had mad respect for my female colleagues who in DT training every year would be like, don't fucking go easy Absolutely. on me. And, oh, yeah. and like, they would call dudes out. Oh, yeah. Like, yep, yep. are you fucking, like, are you shitting me? Are you actually <laughs> going to do this? Or am I going to need to kick the shit out of you? And these dudes are like, uh. So we just had our, uh, D- our DT refresher training this past uh, fall. And we had a dude that had lateraled over from another agency. And he's a, he's a big motherfucker. This guy is like 6'4", 250, big dude and we're doing the freaking drills where like you have to get someone off you when they're mounted on your your hips and your chest and i'm like okay because there's other gals in the class that are like smaller than me i'm like there's no intrinsic value of me fighting with someone that's my size or smaller like that i don't get anything out of that so i told him i'm like all right dude don't be nice to me this is gonna suck i'm gonna struggle but i'd rather learn those things um and again i think working on my own and being in the county, I've had those conversations with myself, maybe more pe- than people do in the Valley. I don't know. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. I mean, if you, one of the most valuable things that I ever heard um, was, and it goes all the way back to the academy, it's that as you're driving around, you're just out trolling around oh, yeah. for T-stops or you're, you're, you're it's... <laughs> you may be like somebody sitting at this table and when it's Christmas time and you work graveyards, it's nice to go look at people's lights because there's fucking nothing else. Going I don't know on. what that's like in the County. There's yeah, there's that, that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist to where you're from. So I'm going to just see myself out. But, uh, uh, as you're out rolling around, you need to be running scenarios through your head. Absolutely. Right? What, what if this dude in this yep. car in front of me at this light jumps what are out we gonna the gun? Do? What the fuck do we do? What are we going to do? Where, where am I? Yeah. Um, you know, Hey, what if there, there's an airport in my city? Okay. I asked a sergeant one day, Hey, what do I do if a fucking, because it was brand new. 
And and granted, I worked a time of day where the airport was closed, mm-hmm. um, but planes could still land there. And I'm like, hey, boss, what do I do if a fucking plane misses and crashes? And he was we've, like, we've had that accounting. He's like, yeah, call the NTSB. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I, and so I sat there. I'm like, OK, if a plane crashed right here, mm-hmm. what am I going to start doing? And yeah. and you you do that so that when something like that happens, yeah. you've sort of already paved this. I mean, there's a. You may not know that where the roads are on the map, but at least you know there's yes. a fucking map, yes. right? Yes, and I, especially in training people too, I ask them questions before we go to things to assess where their brain is at. Like, are you on the, are you, is your line of thinking the correct lot, like pathway, or are you just off in left field? Because if you're on like the raw, if you're on the right pathway and you just make the wrong decision at the, like the tail end of this call, I can deal with that as long as your brain is functioning the way it should be. But I think everyone should be having those conversations with themselves. And I also recommend on a squad level. Um, one of the things, um, in County, so we have like a regional based SWAT team and most squads, um, not so much now we've had a lot of new movement in the agency, but typically used to have like at least one operator on their squad. So when things were dead, we'd be like, Hey, let's do building clearing. Mm-hmm. We'll have the SWAT guy come through. Hey, we're going to talk about like, hey, as an operator, this is how you guys are going to respond and what is our responsibility as a patrol. But we also keep in mind too, we deal with SWAT more on a patrol level than I'm sure some of the Valley agencies. I know like Phoenix has a full-time team that's right. They're a bunch of badasses and they're just there in like a minute. But like, depending on where you are in County, you're going to be there for a while until SWAT shows up. Yeah. And likewise, I mean, my agency, yeah. our, our SWAT guys aren't full-time. Uh, well, I think like two of them are, mm-hmm. um, but uh, similar to that, I mean, my sergeant in 2020, when we we were told, hey, you're not allowed to make T-stops, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do this. We're just sitting there like sort mm-hmm. of devolving, right, as yes. police officers, because we're not getting this repeated exposure to these call types yeah. that, that would ordinarily come in. And she was like, well, fuck it. All these houses over here that like yeah. stopped getting built. Let's, yeah, let's that's exactly go, what it just, is. And so she grabbed yep. one of the SWAT canine dudes. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we're going to learn how to how to clear houses tonight. Yep. All right, cool. Yep, like, and having those conversations too with other units on patrol, like um, canines, like, hey, when you guys are coming here, what are you going to do? Um, telling it, telling me not to shoot your dog is not beneficial <laughs> for me. I know that. <laughs> so Yeah, Um. so I, I like that. And I've had those conversations with myself and I'm lucky I've been so lucky because all the guys and gals that I've worked with on a squad level have been awesome. I mean, especially the most recent squad that I've been on in my old, one of my old squads in my old region. I mean, we were, we went through some shit like this last summer we were in, we were in some shit. And I mean, when you have only four people responding to like someone shot in the face and ran through a yard and there's blood everywhere and your scenes like a, a, a entire neighborhood long Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do right you have to rely on the people that you work with to be competent you know i'm i'm lucky that i trust all the guys that i work with with my life and i know they trust me with theirs that's a big responsibility so i tell them i mean that's the other reason why i train um (laughs) i'm like i all you motherfuckers i'm strong enough that if some shit goes down i can pull i can pull you and i'm not a very big person out of whatever i need to right and I think that's our, our responsibility and our obligation to each other. Well, and we've talked uh, heavily over over this this training and, and your physical fitness and this this recognition that it is not while while it is a desire, it is more so a need yes. to to keep yourself in this sort of 
constantly capable status. Yes. You've gotten more than a few bumps and bruises along your law enforcement <laughs> career. Well. So walk us through some of your injuries that you've had. Oh, boy. You just had your hand broken not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Um, over the summer, I got my little knuckle. It's all jacked up looking, um, fighting with a dude. So <laughs> I'll kind of start from most recently. We'll, we'll backtrack a little bit. So um, as most of you guys know, I have back surgery. We'll talk about that in a minute. But since I've been back to the road... Um, I've probably had about in the past like year plus five or six pretty nasty, nasty fights where I'm talking like I got injured or, um, and I mean, I've, it, it takes a toll on your body, especially if you're still trying to recover from a surgery. Um, that's why I'm really passionate. And I've talked a lot about, I've used Instagram as a way to talk about like my injury specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't realize this until after I'm a dumbass and hurt myself. We'll talk about why. Um, how common back injuries are with law enforcement. I mean, like I've had other stuff, like my hand breaking all the blood vessels in my eyeballs, but the biggest thing is about my back. And like upwards of like 60% of cops are going to experience some sort of back problems at some point in time in their career compared with an average of like eight to 10 in the average population. It does not take long for you to realize like, fuck my back hurts. Absolutely. I went from the sort of like, the, the quote unquote hard uniform, the button down shirt, the vest underneath yeah. it, all your shit on your belt. I did that for two years that on sucks. the road. And then the la- my, my two years on the road before going mm-hmm. to uh, detectives, I did the outer carrier. I moved my holster onto like a, mm-hmm. a that sort of like quasi drop leg platform, yeah. uh, moved everything off of my lower back. But even still, I mean, it again, like partially the damage is already done, right? You, yeah. You, it just doesn't take long to get to that, but I'm it, sorry. Go, yeah. Continue. So I guess I'll just kind of start at the inception of this whole, <laughs> this whole thing. Um, actually, and I've had a lot of people that have requested that I talk about it because it's just so, com- I didn't realize how common it was until mm-hmm. I started posting about it on Instagram. Um, so I was getting ready in 2017 to start getting ready for SWAT testing. Cause it's been a goal of mine. I like to push myself and I'm like, okay, cool. I need to start lifting weights hard. My, my knowledge of uh, weightlifting and everything has been finite because for the majority of my life, I've been an athlete, but an endurance athlete, runner, triathlete. Um, so I, you know, I'm doing my thing in the gym. I don't have no idea what I'm doing because I have zero, you know, instruction or supervision. Um, and I ended up herniating a, my L4, L5 disc. You know, me being a dumbass, deadlifting too much in correct form because I don't have someone there, you know, when I'm starting to lift more to tell me, hey, dumbass you're rounding your back, whatever it is. So I had this injury and I'm a dumbass and tried to work through it. And then I got to a point where I'm like, Oh shit, man, my foot's numb. And it feels like having like, so it's basically the discs between your spine and we can get, <laughs> I was gonna say, if you want to get really deep in the woods, dive in there. I'm spinal. curious. So, it, you know, you have, I think 33 vertebrae in your back. So, um, I'm specifically referring to lower lumbar spine, which is most is most affecting cops. But I mean, you can have, um, you know, upper neck and, you know, mid spine injuries from crashes and stuff like that, that we get into, but focusing on the lower lumbar spine, um, I'm like, shit. Like I started getting cramping and I'm like, Oh, it, it's painful as fuck because that disc, the viscous fluid just basically bursts outward. It's like a jelly donut where the, the gel just kind of bursts outward and it touches the nerve. And unbeknownst to me, I had no idea that, um, Apparently I was born with a congenital defect, which made the 
openings that my nerves go through more narrow than the average person, which kind of compounded the problem. Okay. So here I am, I'm stupid. You know, I decided to do testing anyways, which by the way was, that's dumb. That's just a hard headed Polak thing, but that's just the way I am. And of course I inadvertently failed. Cops don't have egos. What are you talking of about? <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's just about pushing myself. Cause I, I, you know, and I don't like failing, but I learned a lot from failure. There's a lot of things to learn from failure. Another conversation, but um, after that, I had some steroid injections, you know, to get rid of that inflammation. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm good. Like in my brain, I'm like, cool, I'm good. So um, go back in the gym. Um, that's, this is pre preceding CrossFit. CrossFit gets a terrible name. If you go to a bad gym where you don't have a coach that's supervising you, that's when people get injured. Okay. I have a really great coach in the Casa Grande area um, who watches us, make sure that we're doing form right. Um, but at some point in time, something I did at work, inadvertently, I went to bed, I woke up the next day and I couldn't walk. Like I literally just, I was like slumped over. And then from there on out, I, I had re-herniated that disc. Um, it was just kind of like a downhill slope for me. It was really hard because for me, you know, I'm still being a dumbass and training because <laughs> again, hard-headed Pollock. Um, and I'm trying to work through, because you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I want to keep on improving myself, work through this injury. And I didn't realize how bad it was because I just think, okay, cool, instant fix. I got a shot. I'm good. And I didn't realize I, I wasn't good. So the thing that really scared the shit out of me that motivated me to be like, take this shit seriously. Um, I was in the gym and I was um, jump roping and I started losing mobility in my foot because when you have a really bad herniation, if it, it's if it's impacting the nerve, especially if it's in the nerve root, it can cause you to lose mobility. So what that mean, meant for me is like, I started tripping like an old person. That's scary. You know, I'm like 35 at the time, 35. Um, and I can't, I can't do things anymore. I couldn't stand up at work. I could, I could barely stand for more than five minutes at a time. And I was just, that, that was the thing that scared me into taking the shit seriously. Um, so I had my surgery and I had a really great, it was a surprisingly, like you think like back surgery, you hear horror, horror stories. They just went in there and they shaved a piece of my disc off. And, um, it's actually super common. I had another guy on my squad had the same exact in, um, surgery that I had. And I got up and I was like, holy shit. And I, I instantly it, when you have chronic pain and then you don't anymore, your life is just like a million times better. I can't even explain it. I didn't realize how inadvertently I depressed chronic pain had made me. Cause when you get to that point and I, you know, I don't take opioids or anything like that. I, it was affecting the quality of my life so much cause I couldn't do anything anymore. Um, so that was the thing that I was like, okay, cool. I'm good again. Right. And so me again, see the reoccurring theme here of me being a dumb Polak. <laughs> no offense to any Polish people out there, not trying to be offensive, but me being very hard headed. Um, my doctor is like, okay, you know, take it easy. Your body is still recovering, even though I, you know, from start to finish, I was only off the road for three months, which is pretty, that's a short amount of time concerning your spine cut open. Yeah, that's not bad. No. Um, but I was only on the road for about a month before I got into my first really bad, really bad knockdown drag out fight where, um, another guy with me, but I ended up getting tangled up with this guy. He's ended up being high on PCP and thank God for me, he wasn't more motivated. Um, and he wasn't that much bigger than me, but it turned into a situation where we're rolling around on the ground. And I just basically, I just 
I have big old meaty legs and just wrap this guy up. And I'm like, okay, we're just going to wait here because we need more people to get this guy secured. Right. And that was the, f- the first bad thing that had happened. And then, like subsequently, I don't know how or what had happened, but um, sometime over the summer, I ended up re-herniating that disc again. And then your mind just goes like, oh shit. And that's one of the things that kind of scared me into being like, well, fuck. And then as much as people want to talk shit, I didn't do this in the gym. <laughs> I did it at work. Um, but yeah, I mean, but that's the reality of the things that we do. It's so unpredictable because it's not like we're fighting people standing up. Right. Right. 90, something like yeah. ni- 96% yeah. of all police involved fights go to the ground. Absolutely. So. Every person that I had been in, I've been in a fight with this past year has been down on the ground. Um, BJJ has been on my list of things to do, but unfortunately, um, I had a class scheduled and I think it was August that I had to pull out of just because some of my, my issues started popping up. So yeah, it, it sucks. It, it like, so most recently got some more steroid shots. I'm feeling a lot better but I had to go meet with my spinal surgeon again. He's like, why are you here? What did you do? <laughs> That's exactly it. I was like, like a disappointed dad in the average age of people sitting in the waiting room is like 75. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. Yeah. Um, the Barrow Spinal Institute in Scottsdale, by the way, shout out. Um, so I'm Solid sitting, work, y'all. Yeah. And so my, um, my surgeon was like, listen, you know, you, the, the rate that you're going, if you keep doing this shit, like, and I'm talking like fighting when I say the shit, like fighting, even though my initial injury was in the gym, you're going to need another surgery and probably a fusion, which could end in a medical retirement. Which is no, nothing that any, any cop ever wants to hear. Right. I mean, this is so much as we, we maybe try to fight it. Yeah. This is our, it, It, it is our identity. It, to yeah, a point, it's, right? and it's hard to be faced with that. You're like, oh, fuck. Um, yeah, that was a really scary thing to, to hear because you're just like, all these scenarios go running through your head because you're thinking like, I mean, I'm like in the best shape of my life. And then I have this guy telling me like, you need to, <laughs> you need to stop fighting with people on the street because yeah. you keep doing this shit, you're going to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> Not necessarily a wheelchair, but I mean, that's the reality. I mean, it's, it's hard on your body. Um, and I, I haven't, I haven't given any more updates on my Instagram recently since all the new injury stuff happened. Cause it just happened over the summer and it's just, it's a lot to mentally process, especially when you're, you have this, I'm good. You know, I got through this cool. I'm good. Moving on, moving on with my life. And you realize like, Oh fuck, this is, this might be a lifelong thing I need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that kind of made me reconsider like kind of, and it's time for me to leave the road anyways and go into, you know, some sort of other position. Um, but that was just another, another thing that I was like, fuck. Yeah. Cause like, especially for us this past summer and my, <laughs> the training I was talking about earlier can attest to this. We had a really violent summer. We had a lot of, and it's just drug and alcohol and induced stuff. And yeah. And I never, <laughs> I never talk about all these things on my Instagram page. Cause I don't want to be like, oh, look at me. But I mean, I, I actually do work the street, which people are surprised when they, when they see me, they don't, they just think I'm just, you know, I'm just a social media cop. I'm not, I actually do work. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot, it's been a lot to process, but that's one of the things I, I talk about. Like I, I did a whole presentation on this in GI school, the importance of getting good instruction when you're doing heavy lifting, knowing what the fuck you're doing, have, you know, and 
CrossFit's not a bad thing. As long as you have a competent coach that knows what they're doing. Because some people just see the shit on Instagram like, oh, this guy's like been, or deadlifting 300 pounds. Like realistically, that's just ego lifting. Um, and yeah, heavy lifting can be good for you, but there's a certain point you're just <laughs> more at risk for injury. Um, and there's other things that we can do to kind of mitigate our ability or, or, you know, our propensity to get spinal injuries, I guess. Right. You know, load bearing vests are good. I know a lot of agencies, even the ones that are like very prim and proper are starting to move towards that. Um, I don't have a lot of things on my duty belt. The vast, I have like my gun, cuff case, rifle mag and two pistol mags. And that's about it. Um, Cause you're also allowed to wear outer carriers, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah which is helpful. Um, one of my little secrets, my like life hack, and I, I shared this in my GI school when I made this presentation that people loved a lumbar support cushion for your patrol car. I'm telling you, it will change your life. Cause it's the one thing that I had before I had surgery when I was just like in excruciating pain that made my life bearable. A hundred cops just pulled open their, their it, uh, Amazon. There's a, there's one on Amazon <laughs> and it's like $45 and it's like, it's awesome because I mean, if you, if you think about it and um, I know that, um, Erica that does tack mobility, mm -hmm. love her. She's awesome. She talks a lot about, you know, just sitting. Cause I mean, we spend so much time in our patrol car, just sitting and we've got all this shit and it changes the way that you're, you know, slumping forward in your car. It, you know, we're not used to our bodies are not designed Leaning over your MDT. Oh yeah. Turning your spine to do stuff. And then you have all the shit on you and then you're running and then you're fighting and then you're rolling around on the ground. And then your center of gravity is off. So you're falling, like you have to run and you fall like a toddler. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, so there's a lot of things that you can do as a police officer. And I wish, I, I wish they would have talked about this when I was younger in my career. You know, the importance of training correctly, um, ways to mitigate back injuries. The, <laughs> no one ever told, no, you know, like I never, I know people dealt with it at my like old cops that I used to work with. No one ever told me like, Hey, don't do this shit because if you hurt yourself now, you're fucked for the rest of your career. Right. Yeah. Well, and at this stage in our careers, you know, mm -hmm. five and eight years in respectively that, that medical retirement doesn't look all that great. Anyways, no. you, you're not, you can't just medical out and be done. Right. You, yeah. you'd have to find an actual source of income somewhere, <laughs> yeah. but where, where else do yeah. you get this sense of satisfaction yeah. that, that, and this, this sense of fulfillment that like I drive home yeah. At the end of most days, right? Not every day, right? But most days you're like, hi, you know what? Like what yeah. I did today was fucking worth it. It's, it's, and it's hard because it, it, like you said, it becomes part of your identity. But um, I always, and I have so many people reach out to me on social media specifically about back issues. And I always encourage them, obviously, seek, pro seek professional medical attention. Personally, this is my little. That does not include WebMD. <laughs> Don't, don't WebMD because you're going to be like, oh, you'll I always have, be dying. I have spine cancer. Cool. <laughs> um, one of the things that I wasn't a fan of that delayed my treatment was going to a chiropractor. I know that's very, um, that's a very polarizing opinion um, because all of the, my symptomology um, screamed her needed disc compressing on a nerve. Like I couldn't do certain things and that should have been assigned to a medical professional. Hey, um, I can't help you. Um, so it does help some people it's, it's, it can be helpful, but for people that truly are injured, like soft tissue, soft tissue injuries, it's not going to do anything. Well, and out of, out of all of this, out of your injuries though, there, there has been some good that's come of it, right? I mean, as far as getting into shape and getting this education really on, yeah. on, on how to maintain that, but you've also got this awesome professional relationship with SoFleet. 
Yes. Uh, so fleet. What up? <laughs> and uh, and yeah. they've, they've got an app. Um, yep. They've got all sorts of yep. uh, fitness programs, whether yeah. whether you're a cop, a firefighter, you're trying to become a fucking super ninja Navy mm-hmm. SEAL, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. But but talk a little bit about uh, kind of how this all came to be and 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 just all the, the good shit that that comes from being a member of that organization. Yeah. So they've got a really good Facebook group. Um, so fleet founded by operators, you know, so where people ask a lot of questions that are fitness related, they have an app that does fitness nutrition. I actually got paired up with them through a mutual friend, um, that I met, I think at shot show through just mutual friends in the gun community. Um, and they were like, okay, cool. We want you to be one of our, one of our reps. And I talk about it. I haven't been on Instagram as much lately, but, um, they've been awesome to me. You know, I get hooked up with swag. I get free, you know, training programs, which I do when I'm not in my regular gym. Um, nutrition plans, they're awesome. And, and then they have a huge Facebook community where people ask each other stuff. And, you know, there's a little bit of ball busting in there. As there should be, right? In <laughs> yeah. any good place. I was, uh, so again, detective life has taken me away from places <laughs> such as uh, uh, locker rooms at stations where <laughs> patrol officers are getting ready. And we happen to finish uh something later on at night the other night. And so I, I wandered up to my locker room to change real quick. And all the graveyard guys are in there that, <laughs> that I kind of, they, some of them in cops longer than me, but we all kind of yeah. came up similar, similar in time and the ball busting in that locker room. And then yeah. one of them looked over at me and was like, man, Kevin doesn't even remember what this shit's like anymore. And I was like, I got <laughs> sad. Forgot. I was like, you're Ooh. right. That hit a nerve. Well, I'm going to go home and enjoy my comfy bed now. You fuckers have a good time yeah. tonight. So <laughs> That's what my squad keeps telling me. They're like, Cat, when you become a detective, you're going to forget. I'm like, no, I'm not going to forget about you fuckers. Because at, at, at my heart, I'm a street cop. I love the street. I love the ghetto stuff. Um, but yeah, so fleet, super awesome. I, I, um, I'm always wearing their stuff when I'm in the gym. But they've been really great to me. They do um, protein to... Um, are they the ones with the, is it teddy bear night, night, teddy bear? Night, uh, night. Fuck, I yeah. have, I've never tried. I was, yeah. I was, I'll get you some. I was struggling to yeah. sleep for a while. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, not even on graveyards, my transition from graveyards back to swings. Okay. Um, is where I, I had like a month of just mm-hmm. shit sleep and, uh, you know, your phones are always listening to you. And so I kept getting like, yeah. You know, TBNN, <laughs> see this teddy bear night night yeah. stuff for like recovery and yeah. sleep. And I was like, I should try that. I never ended up getting around to yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up. It helps take the edge off for me. I'm like I said, I'm like a squirrel high on meth. So it's like I need like horse tranquilizers to like put me down. Yeah. But it helps. It helps to relax you. I, I, I like it. I'm a fan of their products. They have really good pro- protein. I just got their peanut butter vanilla protein. It's awesome. I'm kind of a protein snob. So. But you know, it works, right? You're <laughs> not do. just going to go buy the stuff from yeah. Walmart. Yeah. So, uh, and just to, to shout out SoFleet on Instagram, SoFleet HQ, mm-hmm. if you're looking to, uh, yeah. to follow along with, uh, with their programs, how, how has, I mean, we, we kind of jumping back and forth here a little bit, but what was, uh, you, you briefly touched on it in that being an FTO, like you know that you're, you don't want to be the asshole officer. You don't want to be yeah. a lazy cop. Yeah. What was it? I mean, even just eight years ago, was it? vastly different in your experience as an OIT, an officer in training, or was it yes. similar to, so t- talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So when I first came up and this is my first agency, I got treated like shit. You know, it was the whole thing of like, boot, you can't fucking eat with us. Go fucking sit over there. You know what I mean? Put uh, applications to Burger King in your locker. You're going to need this type of shit. Like I got treated like shit and I understand, you know, I get it to an extent, but 
it doesn't help anyone in a learning environment, you know, especially someone like me that's already like always asked up naturally. I don't respond well to being like screamed in my face. I get like if I'm fucking up and I'm about to like do something really dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I fucking yell at me, but I don't respond well to that. So that was the kind of old school FTO mentality that I disagree with because just if, if you know about adult learning, it's not conducive to having adults learn, you know, properly. So moving forward, um, being an FTO, you know, I've had a couple times where I've had to yell again, because if shit's happening and like, you're about to do something really fucking stupid, you can't get away from it. Yeah. Right. It's right. inevitable. But typically, I mean, we're going to have a discussion. We'll have a sidebar discussion. Like, Hey, tell me what you were thinking. What are some things you did good? What's what are some things that you did poorly? So you can kind of assess someone like, Hey, are they on the right path to making the correct decision, but they didn't, they, they fell short of something because recognizing those things or seeing in their thought process where they went wrong is the way that we as FTOs are able to step in and rectify that because it's our responsibility. And also too, if someone's just not getting it, if they're not getting it getting through remedial training, sometimes that might be having a hard discussion with somebody tactfully, you know, Hey, like, you what's going on and it, people have like sh real shit going on in their lives like i'm not oblivious to that and sometimes it you know spills over into work i've had that happen going through a divorce it sucks so but they but we at the end of the day we saw the job to do so that's the way that i like to kind of approach training because i don't like to yell i mean i will yell at bad bad guys but i don't like to yell at other people that i'm training we'll just have a discussion and I mean, sometimes they, sometimes they do stupid shit that they learn from. And they're like, yeah, that was really dumb. And those are things that stick with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There's, there's <laughs> a couple times where I was yelled at by my FTOs. Mm -hmm. uh, I can really only think of two. Uh, and one of those FTOs I'm about to start working for here in March. He is, <laughs> he is, my boss is moving off to uh, bigger and better things. And mm -hmm. so he's, he's tested into that position. Uh, and he and I still laugh about when he had to yell at me mm -hmm. um, just because the set of circumstances involved a uh, dude who was high as fuck masturbating. Yes, <laughs> and and he, wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't stop while we were talking to him. Like, Sir, please stop touching your wiener. Can you please put your dick away? <laughs> Thank you. I've had that. So it, oh. you're not a real cop, right? Until somebody, yes. some dude's just been sitting there whacking just it away. Vigorously high And on he's meth. like, no, I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. You're like, I really need you to stop masturbating right now. Yeah, <laughs> but, I'm going to pepper spray your junk if you don't fucking stop spanking it. So, okay, so funny story about pepper spraying junk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tea time. Uh, and... and uh, uh, Victor, if you're listening to this on the off chance, I do apologize. For <laughs> I'm <it>. sorry. <laughs> Throw you under the fucking bus here. Uh, the dude who sat right next to the academy, right next to me in the academy. Also, we also went through Aaliyah. And you know, you go down to that grassy area. Yeah. And they hose you in the face with fucking OC oh, yeah. spray. Oh, yeah. You go through the gauntlet. Yep. And then you, you hose your eyeballs out with tap water. That's <laughs> really healthy. Um, <laughs> that probably has bacteria. It probably in has it. all sorts yeah. of bacteria and sediment yeah. <laughs> in it that, that nobody wants to know about. Um, Victor ended up stumbling into a concrete bench and like uh dislocating his knee oh shit so he had to go to the fucking hospital yeah and while he was at the hospital at no point in time did he ever wash his hands oh no and so he gets up to go oh, to the bathroom no. and proceeds to touch Dude. his junk with his with his oc spray yes. hands and uh yeah that was a funny text message to lighten the mood 
for for what it just those occurred. are some of those and again like in tr- in a training setting those are some of those like self-correcting things like when you do dumb shit that's mm-hmm. not like you know no one died no one's rights were violated but that was like really dumb you're like okay and it provided a lot of awesome laughs for your uh oh your yeah friends, so oh yeah i've had i have so many funny awesome oit stories like <laughs> That could be like a separate podcast because <laughs> I think about some things and I'm like, fuck, I wish I would have wrote that down. Um, yeah, it, it's a trip sometimes it's, it's wild. And on that note, you should write shit down. If you're in this career, you're going to see some wild fucking shit yeah. that, that 25 years from now, you may or may not mm-hmm. struggle to remember just because of yeah. all the other wild shit that you've seen. Write it down and just, yeah, just recall and don't write down, you know, don't just write down the funny things, right? Write down the things that, that, yeah. uh, that sucked, the things that you learned from, but also take the time. I will never forget. I have it written down the night that a guy told me that his knees were built for stopping hockey pucks, not for sucking dicks. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he spoke to me in French for most of our interaction. That was one of his few English phrases. So, so. funny. So on the note of funny stories, <laughs> This is like the weirdest, funniest, most random story ever. And I, <laughs> we talk about things that sick. I, I didn't even have to write this one down. And this happened a couple of years ago and it always stick in my brain. So um, we have um, this area that I work where there's a storage facility. And we had a problem with people that are transients, like squatting and stuff like that. So owner of storage facility calls up. Hey, I've got somebody here. This person's in, it's a female in a tree. <laughs> you probably know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> There's a female in a tree and I can't, I can't get him down. I'm like, okay. So I get there. Sidebar. Don't beanbag or tase people yeah, in don't, trees. Don't be that guy. That, don't be that guy. That's that they, how policy gets written. I, yeah. Don't be that guy. Okay. So you, you get out there, woman in a tree. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, show me where this person. Well, first of all, I'm like, hey, what do you want to have me do? That's the most important thing I want to know because like, if you want me to arrest somebody, it's going to change the inter- the dynamic of my interaction versus just like tell them to pound sand. Looking so, at you, Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So he's like, hey, just get this person out. I don't want to do anything about it. I'm like, okay, cool. So I walk over the street. I'm like, where is this person? And I look up and it's like seemingly this woman holding a feather. And oh, that was the other thing. The RP was like, this person's putting spells on me. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Your what? city. Every city has a wizard in it. I'm like, what the fuck? So I see this person and this person is not a female. It is a dude that's dressed like a female. And I'm like, hey, hey, honey. Like, let's come down here and chat. She's like, no. And then puts the feather up and proceeds to start like yelling things at me. And I'm just like looking at this RP and I'm like, okay. (laughs) I'm like at a loss for words. So my sergeant and one of my coworkers gets there. And they just proceed to just laugh their fucking asses off because I'm just dealing with this person high. Well, of course, high on meth. High as a kite. High, yep. as, high on meth with a feather, just giving, casting spells on me, you know, whenever. And then my RP is just like looking at me like, are you going to, I'm like, uh, first of all, I'm not climbing this tree. You don't want to have, you don't, you don't want to have them arrested. They, you just want them like removed from the property. Okay. <laughs> So my sergeant gets there and proceeds to just laughs ass off, just like just rolling. And I'm just sitting here like, okay. And I managed to talk this person down, right? I'm like, hey, honey, come down here and talk to me. Like, what's up? It's like, let's have a conversation about your feather. So she, so she comes down with her feather. And I'm like, what's up? Where are you from? 
Phoenix. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, where are we going? She's like, you need to take me to Phoenix. And I was like, not going to happen. <laughs> best I can do is a strip mall on the outskirts of County. <laughs> and it was just like the most random interaction. I was like, what the fuck? I just, I like dropped this person off. Best I could do. No warrants. Like what the fuck just happened? And like, she came down and was just like, she well, we'll say she, I'm going to be proper. She, and uh, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like in the back of my head, like, this is my, this is real life. And, you know, those are the stories I tell my friends from back home. They're like, no fucking way. And that's, that's, that's another one of those signs that like you truly are a cop when you're sitting there. And the only response is what the fuck was that? Like, Oh, and, um, she had a bunch of, you know, tattoos on her too. That was the other fun thing I forgot about. Cause I, I always ask people about tattoos. They see mine and it was like something like she had been pimped out at some point in time, like, like insert genitalia here on the neck face area oh, and i'm hell like yeah okay you went all the way with that one yeah so those are the things that i'm like those little things just are like seared into my brain forever it's uh there's always going to be a a witch wizard or a warlock in oh, your yeah. city and there's always going to be transients with sex toys oh fuck yeah and i just don't quite understand why oh, that's a yeah. thing but I mean, whatever. That's a basic human Get need, it. I guess. Everybody's got Get the rocks, it. so. But yeah, and it's funny too when you see like newer people like searching or tweaker cars full of sex. They're, they always have sex. Oh, we had, like, a, we had a Mormon kid pick up a vibrator with not wearing any clothes. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. you're like, dude, don't put that down. <laughs> so bad. We no. had a guy, and I loved him dearly. He was one of our volunteers, and he um, he was older. He passed away. Um, one of the things I have a picture of it somewhere in my phone. We are, he's helping me like back when 35, 11, you know, 30 day impound was still a thing. We're going through tweaker, tweaker car full of all kinds of shit. And he's like, Hey, look what I found. And I look over and it's this big black vibrator and he grabs it and he grabbed it. No fucking hands. Like just, just no fucks to give, like live through fucking WW1. Just like, no, I was like, Hey, that's, that was in someone's somewhere <laughs> and he's like oh shit and he dropped and it was just like it's like in slow motion it was like zzz, zzz, like fell down to the ground it was so funny love it love it we could be, i could do an entire episode <laughs> i was gonna say this could be like literally an entire episode i, I, just I, I will i will make it uh, uh a goal of mine at some point in time to just get like 10 fucking microphones in <laughs> and like just just get a bunch of cops in there oh man to just round table all the times that we found sex toys on people. Well, the other, <laughs> it's not a sex toy story. And I, this is like a, well, j- but I don't want to hear it. This, this, I'm, I'm offended. <laughs> this was like a jail story. So when jail I, stories are great. Jail stories are weird. So doing the um, contracted detention for immigration, you know, we're dealing with people from all over the world. Right. So um, they get, a, this was in Maricopa County at the Phoenix ice office. Um, they'd be sent to like somewhere like a facility like Florence for processing where their paperwork's being ordered. And when they're there, they have a little bit more freedoms because the, the facility I worked at was just a temporary holding facility where people are processed and transferred elsewhere. So we'd pick up these people from the Florence prison, which or the, the Florence um, ICE facility that houses detainees. And they had, you know, like they, you know, soccer field, chest checkers, like all the stuff that they could do. And I remember looking at this one dude and I'm like, what is wrong with you, dude? It didn't look well. Are you ready for this? Send he, it. he was getting ready to get deported. I wish I was making this shit up. It's crazy. 
he took the shaft of his penis and cut pieces of put pieces of dominoes in the shaft of his penis so it could be ribbed for his lady. And I'm and, like, and when you say dominoes, you mean like the old timey like yes. game dominoes? Oh yeah. So you didn't take pizza crust? No, you know? no, no. And I was like, I almost would have accepted that more. I'm like, cool. This took you a long time to do. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't even really know. I, am I don't a, know what to do here. I am a sex crimes detective, and I don't even know how to respond. It to was that. weird, dude. And mad respect for people that work in like jail and prisons full time. Like I couldn't do that shit. Like my little tenure of a couple years, like I got enough of that. Cause we would drive to all the local jails and prisons all across the state and like pick people up and see the shit. And I'm like, Whoa, that's like another level people putting stuff in places and things. And it was crazy. I'm still just I'm sitting over here trying to get the words to come out. And I just don't know that there yeah. are any. And then on top of that too, if you imagine like, inserting a language barrier into all this stuff like it just so, adds to straight comedy like what's up with your penis like <laughs> just like they're looking at you like this this is crazy this crazy lady like what the fuck yeah it's weird but then they also have to explain to you that they've taken bits of uh domino pieces yeah to make it ribbed for his, somebody's pleasure ribbed for her pleasure yeah literally literally Wow. Yeah, I have like so many fun jail stories. Like that was a trip. I don't know that we can, I mean that like, <laughs> all right, good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it's a trip. I've had a lot of weird experiences in my career. I feel like, yeah, man, again, another podcast episode. Yes, I'm sure. Absolutely. On that note, we do, uh, we are rounding out about two hours here. Oh, wow. Holy shit. Uh, I know time flies. I and know. Fun, right? right? Uh, I did give you a little preview of the question earlier, okay. uh, but you've got, uh, Cat, you've got a microphone to the world, yeah. right? Have listeners all over the globe. Um, still trying to break into the Pakistani market, but one of these days, you know. <laughs> one of these pesky days. <laughs> you've got listeners all over the globe. What is something that the people should hear from Cat? I would say to everyone out here, especially that first responders that are listening, take this shit seriously. You know, train yourself. Make sure you're on par so you can be effective for your partners in whatever regard that is. If it's physical fitness, shooting, DT, whatever, because you have an obligation to yourself and your family and your partners to make sure everything, everyone goes home safely. The other thing too, and I try to tell myself this all the time, try not to get sucked into cop land, which is what I like to call it, which is all your friends, all everyone you talk to, they're all in law enforcement. Cause like, yes, we are the greatest people in the world. But sometimes, like, we need to have that outside perspective to realize, like, yeah, this is a career that's awesome, but you need to have, like, you know, if you were just to die tomorrow, like, okay, you realize how finite life is um, and it, and how little time we really have on the earth. And if you're just incessantly working and, like, you're just, yeah, I get it. We, we need money to live, but you got to have a good quality of life as well. I think that's really important to have that balance that a lot of cops miss that. And I am very guilty of that. Um, you can't get time back, right. you know? So having like a family, friends, whatever outlet it is to get away from that. The other thing it's too, and <laughs> cops can be the absolute worst to each other, right? The absolute worst sometimes. 
be fucking decent to each other, man. You know what I mean? Just treat each other. If you see someone fucking struggling, because you don't, you don't fucking know. I know what it's like to get treated like crap. You know what I mean? Be nice to each other in the job because sometimes we're the only ones that have, we have each other. That's it. You know? Um, be decent to people. And the best advice that I got from my dad, I'm like jumping all over the place. Sorry. No, that's all right. Yeah. Was when you're going to something, that person that you're dealing with, they could be your brother, your sister, your mom, your aunt. And you think about it. Like if my parents were to call 911, what, what would I want them to have show up? Right. And I, I get it. It's hard when you're going from fucked up shit to a neighbor problem to a civil issue. Sometimes it's kind of hard not to have a shitty attitude, but I think about those things a lot. And there are some people that need to be handled accordingly, but there's some people, this might be the only interaction that they ever have with law enforcement for years and years and years, right? They're always going to remember that. They'll remember if you got, they got treated like shit and the shit that we, you know, it's every day for us. We forget about that stuff because we do it every day. But yeah, just being, just be good to other people in this profession, out of this profession, just be a decent human being and stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. (laughs) And don't hurt your back. Stay hydrated and don't, uh, yeah, don't round your back when you're lifting way too much weight. Yeah. Yeah. So find somebody who cares about you and and will teach you, you know, not only in, in physical fitness, but find your mentors in law enforcement. Oh, that was a good thing too. You know, find, find good mentors, find good people to help lead the way. And if it's not in your own agency, because that's the other thing, too, with social media that's been really cool that I, I have the opportunity. And I just use it as a networking thing. It's not a monetary. I don't make any money from it. Um, people from other agencies, like, hey, I'm the only female cop. Like, what is your guys' policy on, like, maternity leave or whatever the case is? Um, I'm hooked up with a really great group of women um, law enforcement officers, which I highly encourage other women to seek that support because there's some specific issues to us that we you know, deal with specifically on Facebook, which is the, um, fit cops, females page. They've been awesome. Um, yeah. So seeking mentorship and seeking someone to help guide you through this career, whether it's personally or professionally. Boom. I like it. Yeah. Well said. Um, yeah, certainly if anybody out there is, is struggling to, uh, to network is struggling with, um, getting, answers to questions, uh, you know, if they, if they're surface questions or those, those much, much deeper ones. Um, I can't speak for cat, but I'm fairly certain I know what the answer is, but you can always hit me up. Right. I don't, uh, I don't know that I, I'm quite at the tenure of law enforcement <laughs> to be somebody's mentor. Um, um, but Hey, I, you know, we've all got some outside the box yeah. solutions yeah. for, for questions. I mean, there's, I, I work with, with detectives who have been doing this job for 10, 11 years and they still every now and then have to spin Absolutely. around in their chair and be like, hey, what do you think? Right? Absolutely. So by all means, uh, you know, hit me up on Instagram, hit cat up. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, how do people find you on social media? My uh, Instagram is pew pew goddess. And pew pew is P-E-W, P-E-W. Correct. Okay. Yes. Like pew gotcha. pew is in shooting gun. Pew pew. Pew pew. Yeah. And right. I, and I, and I try to respond to my DMs as much as I can. But don't get weird. Don't. You know what? Actually, surprisingly, I don't have a lot of weirdness. Uh, my page is private so i typically okay that helps that helps and i you know and i don't helps the foot picture requests (laughs) i mean hey minimize (laughs) yeah so i don't get really that many weird messages but um 
I try to, as much as I can respond to people, especially like if I don't have the answer, cause obviously I don't know everything and I would be remiss to say that I did. Um, I like to, there's a lot of people that I've been fortunate enough to talk to in the gun industry through Instagram or whatever that I can direct them to that might be able to help. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I try to respond to my DMS as much as I can, you know, sometimes it, some more than others, like I'll post something funny and I'll get like. 50 messages it gets a little bit overwhelming but sometimes it takes me a minute (laughs) i like to i like to tell people that uh if i don't have the answer for you i probably know somebody who does absolutely 100 so we will get you taken care of uh uh cat and kevin's therapy line maybe that'll be our late night talk (laughs) show here one of these days absolutely (laughs) and we can talk about all sorts of things come call Uh, me at the late night hour (laughs) You're pretty good at that. I'm a sexy radio voice. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I got I got told I needed to start interviewing people because I had a phone sex voice and it was uh, oh. it was weirding people out. So. <laughs> a phone sex voice. So I so like it's funny because like every once in a while I'll say something really funny or I get really ex- excited and I have my Midwestern a eh? oh my god and that comes through and that gets a little bit weird. Not as sexy. So. It's okay. There's there's other good things about the Midwest. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Yes, there are. Yeah. Yeah. People, Polish People, food. Polish, yeah. Polish food. Yeah. All right. Miss that. I have not spent a whole lot of time in the Midwest. I've been in North Dakota and Minnesota, and that's a... Uh, I did... A, do you consider Missouri to be the Midwest? Yes, I do. All right. I did live in Missouri for about three months, so... It's... I... When I... when I Not to get a too sidebarred, but when I drove out to Arizona from Michigan, I we stopped in East St. Louis, Missouri, and people always like to you know, talk shit about Detroit. For, uh, that place is terrifying. <laughs> that place is like the most terrifying place I've ever been. And I was like, man, this shit is rough. And that's coming from someone that's from Detroit. Like that's, yeah. So my, my parameter of what's, what's rough and not is a little See, bit and I've never been to Detroit. Well, it's, yet another it, one of these places a, I got to get out to. It, it, it's a, gets a bad rap. You know, it's, it's one of those places, like I like to call it like people from Detroit have grit, right? Mm-hmm. Like that hustle, that inadvertent hustle, like, and, and that goes back to just the tenacity and the will and the perseverance to succeed no matter what. And you could translate that to like nefarious activities <laughs> or like positive ones. Like, you know, cause there's people there, you know, everyone's like, you know, pretty much blue collar that don't really have a lot. You right. got to hustle. You know what I mean? Well, it was the city that built America, right? To Absolutely. a certain extent, right? Absolutely. Motor, and I, Motor City, it's called that for a reason. Absolutely. So. And I, I'm proud to be from there. And I tell people that all the time. It's a great place. And, you know, it's different, it's different than when I grew up. Um, I love it. It's a great place. So and despite what you hear, I miss that place. And I'm still rocking a 313 area code for anyone that wants to throw some, you know, test my street credibility, which happens quite often. <laughs> I wouldn't. I've been. I've. I've talked to Cat for about the last like I don't know, two years ish, year and a half, somewhere in there. This, this is which a, is crazy. This is the first. This is the first time we've hung out in person. Yeah. I wouldn't fuck with her if I were you. <laughs> thank that's, you. Thank you. That's just me. So, all right. Well, Cat, thank you so much for coming thank on you. the show. Thank Everybody, you. I do hope you enjoyed uh, enjoyed listening. Uh, stay tuned next week for uh, a whole mess of. Uh, of podcast interviews uh got one i'm going to step a little bit outside my comfort zone in and then we've also got uh, cody perrin uh, author of agents unknown spent some time with the diplomatic security service he'll be on the show as well and i'm going to be releasing episodes on wednesdays from now on so uh with that i bid you all good evening uh, or good day whatever time it may be stay safe and we'll see you on the road